People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time, each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. You are listening to your favorite wrestling podcast. I am the king of banter. Internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist as heard on BBC Radio. The most respected voice in wrestling journalism. Joe Lanza. Rich Crange will be joining us later. The big show here. Oh, oh, you're here now. I'm here. Yeah, sorry. I my. Oh, I I thought you I was were a little late. Be... I was fixing my oven, but now I'm. I back. think you're going to be jumping in later. Um, we got a we got a big show here. We got. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. Sorry, hold on a minute. I'm a little disappointed because you had a new nickname today that popped up on uh, on Twitter. I, wasn't it Big Bitch Joe Lanza? Wasn't that the one that's ah the, the Big Bitch Joe <laughs> Lanza? <laughs> why did, why did that not get added? List of I like that one. Honestly, you know I forgot that about. one. I will add if Joe, if you want me to say. If you want me to call you Big Bitch Joe Lanza every single week, I will gladly do so. So, one of my many goofy <laughs> anime avatar uh, enemies who hates me on Twitter has uh, labeled me the Big Bitch Joe Lanza. So, we're going to add that one to the list. Yeah, I'm sure Rich Rich will never forget that one. No, that one I got. Uh, that one's pretty easy. Rolls off the tongue. I, I like that one a lot. So, Big Bitch Joe Lanza. That's, that's I, I did a guest spot on the uh, wrestling omakase uh, with John, which was Carroll. great, by the way. Which I don't know. Explain to me why I got off work. And on my ride home from work, and you know, I'm walking the dogs while I'm, you know, making dinner. I'm listening to you, and then I get done doing that, and then I come and talk to you. Like you are going to take up five hours of my life this on this night. Think about that. Listen, there's plenty of people that would be very pleased for me to take up five hours of their life, Rich. So <laughs> you, you you should be. There's actually people in this world who are very sad that I that I'm away from them for three hours a week to do this with you. So you should be blessed that uh that the king of banter has chosen uh to give you these three hours each week so uh yes but i did the omakase and uh that's kind of where this springs from uh they did open questions and one of the open questions from one of my uh, anime avatar enemies uh was uh yeah why is joe such a big bitch so uh big bitch lanza is now added to the <laughs> list of monikers i will wear that one proudly um, I have no idea why this person thinks I'm a big bitch. Of course, this is a person who listens every week and, and, and just tears us to shreds. Right. We're always wrong. We're always It's bad. one of those people. We're never right, but I'm going to devote three hours every week to you. But hey, right, I right. appreciate those people. Those people are great. Those yeah, I appreciate people... it. Hopefully they bought some razors but um, or, or some Blue Apron or something. But uh, will you still do business with them or did they dump eh, us? Well, no, don't, don't, say, don't say never there. I don't want to disparage any any uh, uh, future potential buys. I mean, as of right now, no. But they got the shake them ropes, though, right? They're not. I believe they still have the shake them ropes. Yeah, for for a little while as well. But uh, I mean, we won't be with them again. But I ask you a question: 
How the hell did the Shake Them Ropes get the Lord timepieces? You were looking forward to getting that watch. Oh, man, that email that was the worst email ever. They were like, hey, pick out one of these watches or whatever. And I'm like, this watch is on. Like, because so Lord timepieces is like, oh, hey, you know, we, we, we're, we're excited about sponsoring your show or whatever. I'm like, oh, it sounds great. They're like, oh, here, here's this, you know, list of watches you can purchase and try out or whatever. I'm like, oh, sweet. Okay. So I send them the email. It was the most, it was like the most embarrassed I've ever been in an email. It's like, I send them an email back, like, hey, this watch looks great. Here's my address or whatever. And then they're like, oh, no, sorry. This is for Rob and Jeff and Shake the Ropes. And I was just like, oh. It's just like, however you like crawl into a hole online via an email is how I, I just wanted to like, it's just, I, oh God, it was just I, the most I, awkward ever. They're like, oh no, not you. And I'm like, oh. I found it hilarious. I got to tell you. <laughs> I'm so excited uh, about that watch. You were, you were hyped about that watch. I mean, I, I'm pretty it's sure. It's a high quality watch. It was a good, good looking watch. You couldn't answer that email fast enough. You know, you, you there were exclamation <laughs> points in that email. You're like, I will take this one because, you know, they, they, you know, Blue Apron sends us the meal codes and they send us like two, right? So it's like a mad scramble to get to the meal codes because someone's always left out. It's like a shell game, right? So like if you don't get to the email fast enough and like Rob and Rich use the, the codes and then I get to it, you know, the code after they do, I don't get free food. You know, now I'm pounding my fist on the table. So Rich is all excited. He thinks he's going to get this free watch. And no, it was for Shake Them Robes. I, I, I found it very humorous. <laughs> So I've not worn, uh, a, worn a watch since, and I never will again. I've... There, there is no watch for you. I have never worn a watch in my life. That's a fact. That's a Joe Lanza fact. I was never a watch wearer. Like, I never understood. Pre, like even pre phone, even as a kid, like you didn't have a watch as a kid, like a sweet digital watch as as a youngster. Pre cell phone, never had a watch. I just I I'm not a jewelry guy. I don't wear any jewelry either. Like I I don't like things around my neck. I don't wear rings. I don't wear anything. I, I've just never worn a piece. Well, that's of not very Italian stereotype of you. That's I'm a little disappointed. It's by that. not. I should be. I should be rocking a big gold Italian horn, with my butt with button with my shirt buttoned down in the middle, with my chest hairs hanging out, with the gold horn like getting tangled in the chest hairs. You'd think that's what I was doing, right? It's not the case. I'm not a jewelry guy, so I never have been. You know, if if the lovely Brittany is lucky enough to take my hand in marriage, we're gonna have some problems because you know. I've often thought I, I'm I, I'm uncomfortable with jewelry on my body. Like I can't wear like it bothers yeah, me. I, get, I, I, I get in trouble all the time. I fuck around with my ring all the time. Like I fidget with it. And like I, I move it. Or, like I take it off all. The, like if I come home and I'm like, oh, I was playing basketball, so I took it off. Or you know, like I, yeah. I take it off constantly. And I'm always I'm like, oh, I'm working around the house. I better take it off. And she's just like, just never wear it. <laughs> like at that point, like and I feel bad because obviously I, I want to wear it, and sometimes I do wear it. But I'm just sure. a mess with it. I fidget with it when I'm driving. I'm fidget with it when we're at a restaurant or whatever. Like I just I like again. I'm never. I, I'm a year and a half in now, and I still never feel comfortable with that thing on my finger. And I'm always like, I took it off right now. I'm doing a podcast. I'm like, Oh, better get this thing off just in case, because I'm afraid that I'll either take it off, fidget with it. I'll throw it on the ground. I'll tap it or whatever. I can't, it's just, I'm not comfortable with it at any point ever. You're going to lose it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then she said, I'm never getting another one again, which is, is fine. Then <laughs> oh, well, no, then you win. <laughs> That's what I mean. But I don't want to like necessarily go through that. You know what I mean? Like, listen, this, this could be like, it's a long win, but it's a short term. It's listen. Loss. Yeah. You should quote unquote, lose it then. You know, but don't really lose it. Like lose it at the bottom of the sock drawer or something. Then she won't get you another one. You don't have to wear it anymore. You know, this sounds like a really bad sitcom episode is what it sounds like. Yeah, this is definitely be an episode of, of uh, I was going to say Seinfeld. Of King of, King of Queens yeah, it'd be like, it'd be right? something lamer. It'd be like King of Queens or whatever. It's like, Kevin James is so fat and stupid. <laughs> right. She finds it at the bottom of the sock drawer. But she doesn't tell him she finds it at the bottom of the sock drawer. So then the nurse keeps up the lie for like two more weeks. And then she knows that's that's every episode of King of Queens. Rich keeps lying. The nurse keeps making him dig a bigger hole. 
And then, uh, you know, she crosses her hands at the end and just takes a big deep breath and shakes her head at you as the studio audience guffaws in laughter (laughs) at your your shenanigans. I know you're a man who loves his uh, CBS sitcoms. Have you watched the, uh, the, the new Kevin James joint on CBS, the Kevin Can Wait? Yo, that is fucking sick. Did you see what he did? I don't watch the show. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I was going to do. Uh, tell you. So, yeah, I watched, like, because I've I, I always liked Kevin James. Like, I always thought it was kind of funny. King of Queens is a good, like, popcorn-y, you know. You, you, if you're flipping around and you got nothing else going on, like, I'll watch, like, five minutes of King of Queens. Hey, King, of Queens King of Queens delivers. Yeah, I, no, it's solid. It's not like a show that I'm going to sit down and binge watch every season, but it's like you're just rolling around on TV. You got nothing going on. Maybe a, a game hasn't started for another 10 minutes or whatever. You know, you're in between stuff or whatever. It's a great, like, 10-minute watch. You kind of come in, come out. Every episode's kind out of the same it's all for, so like I, I watched the first two episodes and i'm like oh yeah it's whatever and then like it's it's kevin and you know he's still kevin or whatever i think i think that's his actual name in the show well, uh, of course it's, it's his name in the kevin, show kevin, kevin can wait rich so yes no yeah exactly so then like and so he's got this other wife and i'm like all right yeah whatever and then like i come to find out that in like season two he just kills her off and then has like leah remedy come back i'm like what the hell like you can't just do they that. didn't just kill her off like okay so yeah, it was Leia- like brutal too right no, no, no. It, it's even worse. Like, Leia Remini became available, right? And I guess they've... Now, the show was a hit. It's not like the show was struggling with, the with like, you know, the other wife or whatever. But Leia Remini became available, and they figured these two have this incredible chemistry. And they really do. They have really good on-screen chemistry. There's no question about it. Um, so they decided, all right, we got to get rid of this other woman, right? So they kill off the character. They fire the, the, the actress. And uh, they do it between seasons, and they never explain how she died, and they just kill her off with, like, one throwaway line that ends in a joke. Like, he's checking the mail, right? Kevin, Kevin James is checking the mail, and it's a postcard from a gym. And he says to the kids that, oh, the, your mother's gym keeps sending this because they say that they miss her because she hasn't been to the gym in a while. And he says, uh, well, we miss her too. And then there's, like, a quiet moment, right? And then uh, the daughter's like, give me that, dad. I'll throw it away. And he goes, oh, no, don't. There's a coupon for a kung fu class I want to take. And, you know, wild guffaws from the crowd, from the studio <laughs> audience, because it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. But they wrote off this woman's death with a kung fu coupon joke. And then that was it. <laughs> they don't tell you how she died. They don't, they don't, they, there's no funeral, no, nothing. They just kill her. They fire the actress. In comes Leia Remini, who is like his coworker. You know, on, uh, the premise is now she like works with him. And obviously, for the remainder of this series, it's going to be a will they or won't they thing, sexual tension. And then when they finally fuck, you know, you know, the show will lose all its ratings and go downhill. We've seen that play out a million times. So they'll stretch that out as long as they can. As soon as the ratings start to slip, they'll have them fuck. That'll give them a short-term ratings bump, and then it'll go back down. You know, once, once the sexual tension is over, there's no reason to watch anymore. So right. it's going to be that kind of formulaic show from this point forward. But that was fucking cold, how they yeah. cut that out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's – and I, I love, too, how – and I, I've watched a few episodes here and there. I've seen, like, little highlights, too, that, like, it follows, like, the, like, the exact model of King of Queens. Like, you know, you have Lou Ferrigno in, in, in King of Queens. And, and this one, like, Kevin James just hires all those MMA buddies. I think, like, Boss Rutten's there. Isn't, like, Chris Weidman there? Like, I keep seeing all these MMA guys, and they're all, like, his neighbor and his co-workers or whatever and i'm just like he's just getting jobs for his mma buddies he's just following the exact like lou ferrigno equals bass rootin type thing and it's just like jesus like and it's gonna it's gonna go on for like eight seasons you know it's gonna be supremely successful which is the of course exact yeah. same formula <laughs> it's king of queens but yeah. hey you know it, it's ba- it's basically king of queens too now right. i mean yeah. they just put the same two people back together i mean you know you might as well bring ben stiller's dad back too and work him in somehow you know but uh 
Boss Rutan did a bunch of guest spots on King of Queen, King of Queens too. So he's he's always getting yeah, yeah, right. You know, and he remember that goofy MMA movie Kevin James did where he was like oh, the, the gym I'd, teacher. I'd and, like to, I'd like to not. I never watched it. Of course. Yeah, like, so. know, I saw, I saw like uh, you know one or two trailers, and that was about enough for me to say I, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to see this. Do you watch Young Sheldon, Rich? Uh, you know what? I've missed Young Sheldon. I, I haven't quite watched it, but uh, soon I'm sure because you know I love no, nothing no, more than. The, <laughs> I'm never gonna watch that shit. No, you won't. You you, you <laughs> couldn't get me to watch that at gunpoint. But that's going to be obviously an enormous hit, and um, and again, run for a decade, and yeah, you know, like Big Bang Theory, where you know they just say things and people laugh. Like it's just like the, the nerdy guys and the hot girl. The hot girl is kind of stupid. The nerdy guys are really nerdy, but the hot girl like shows them social situations. <laughs> and the nerdy guys just like say things like planetary rotation, and the crowd just goes. <laughs> like, I really, uh, I really don't get it. I don't. I really don't get it. I know it's hack at this point to make fun of these shows, and clearly someone's watching them. It's kind of like the thing where I, everyone, I really do think that just old people fall asleep in front of their TVs and then they just get big ratings from that. Maybe it's gotta be that. Have you ever ever met anyone who's like, I really love big bang theory. Yeah. Or mom. Like what's the one with Anna Ferris and, and that is is mom or moms or fact is called mom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen like trailers for it. It's just like mom, like still wants to have sex, but Anna Ferris says no. And I'm like, is that all that the show is? And I think that's all it is. Yeah, like it's, mom uh, says provocative things, and the daughter says that's you're your mom. You can't say that, and then that's kind of it. So. Uh, yes, it's a, her. Her mom is a cool mom. Yeah, right. Right. And, her and, mom uh, wants to have sex with men. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, that's, I mean that's essentially if you watch a trailer, it's just like the mom be like, "Take my picture for Tinder," and the crowd, the crowd's like, "Ah, oh, uh, 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 Tinder, you're old." But it's like that's it. That's the right, right. It, but I think like Anna Faris has kids because she had a troubled youth and then she reconciled with the the cool mom right, right but i think right. but i think one of anna faris's kids is now having a kid you see what i'm oh, saying God. so yeah so i think like it's like great grandmom and mom and gra- like, i don't know it there's all all i know is there's, there's a lot of women on the show and 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 there's there's and and they're all like the cool mom and yeah it's 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 a cbs comedy what do you want it, it's it's bad um here's the thing I don't see CBS comedies on the run sheet. I don't know uh, what we're doing here, but I do see this on the run. I see TLC, a little uh, tables, ladders, and chairs. I think we're going to start off with that. Uh, how about Joe Lanza taking control here and getting the show back on track? I was say, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. Go that? ahead. No, I it's, like this. This is a new layer, new Joe, a new uh, that lovely Brittany. She's really gotten you on the on the up and up. I like. <laughs> yeah, she's really got you focused. I like it. We got to get down to business here, okay? We got uh, uh we got TLC. The run sheet, like you're even looking at the run sheet. The first part is that you're actually looking at it. This is this. Is, I am looking. This at is remarkable. Go ahead, though. I will not. I will right. way. Uh, then we're gonna open with the TLC. We're gonna do a little New Japan. We got the Road to Power Struggle Cork and Hall show from uh, a couple days ago with the first two matches from the Junior Tag Tournament. Do not call it the Junior Tag League. It is a Junior Tag Tournament. I noticed on the run sheet here it says Junior Tag League. Oh, I don't know who wrote this yeah, up. Yeah, it is not a league. Yeah, it's a knockout tournament. So we'll go over that Cork and All show. I thought it was a fun show. Then we're going to do a little All Japan. It's not every week that we do some All Japan. But when you have two Triple Crown title changes, I believe it's worthy of attention. And here's a little teaser for the listener. Rich, in the biz, in the biz, Rich, they call this a teaser. Are you ready? Never believe who's challenging for the Triple Crown title next. <laughs> So stay tuned. For hour <laughs> stay three. tuned. To, yeah, yeah, it's gonna get hot and heavy in hour three. To, 
to find out who the who the uh, next Triple Crown challenger is. You'll never believe it. Will right. shock. And don't you. look it up. You need to. You need to definitely stick with us. No, you need to stick with us. Yeah. And then because we've uh, blown it off or ran out of time the last two weeks, we do have to get back to the Observer Hall of Fame. The ballots are due on November first, if I'm not mistaken. That I believe that is correct. Yeah. Which I always like when it comes in, I'm like, I got all the time in the world. I'm good. And then like, yeah, it's now. And I'm like, oh, then you're scrambling on you're scrambling on Halloween, you know, while you're (laughs) while 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 little shits are knocking on your door looking for Tootsie rolls, you're put trying to put together your ballot. You're not a Tootsie Roll guy, are you? You get a decent candy for the kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got, we got Is this your first year in the house over there? No, no. We talked about this last year. We talk about it every year. But, we talk uh, about it every year. But yeah, it's great. No, I remember that. I was, I, was, I was thinking about it the other day. We were buying candy, and I'm like, ah, you know what this means? Like, Joe and I are going to have our, like, weird conversation. Let's save it for next week, our conversation about candy. You give the big size candies. We talk about mom's bars. It's the same thing every single year. It's, it's great. It's like, you know, you, you can rely on it every year, the Joe and Rich, like, how do we handle trick or treaters? No, we had we had uh, last year. We found out. I think we were we were supposed to do a podcast on that day, and then I I wasn't quite sure. And I think we had to move it to another day because, like, I you know Michelle calls me and she's like, "Oh my god, there's been kids nonstop." And and you know she was working that night or whatever, and she kept getting woken up at like two you know two p.m. or whatever with, with kids starting already trick or treating, and they basically did not stop until like ten. So yeah, we had a we had a lot. Yeah, so uh, I, I I try to do the full size. I try to be full size bar guy. You know what I mean. But uh, it gets pretty fucking expensive. I got to be honest with you. So yeah, I feel like kids. Give them, give them, if you get them decent fun size, I think that's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, as long as you got a decent name brand fun size candy, they're generally going to be happy with that. You know what I mean? But I do. I'll get a limited amount of the full size bar. So if you're early, you get the full size. You know what I mean? If you're like one of the first, you know, 12 kids or whatever, you're getting a full size bar. After that, though. You know, <laughs> well, just, rumor, rumors probably go about you're probably uh, you're a little bit of a uh, uh, I don't know, like because you probably get rumors that people are like, oh, that guy, you know, you know what I mean? Like that first kid is going to tell his buddies, oh, man, that house gives like full size. And then you they go and you're giving them a little dumb, you know, Tootsie Roll. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, I heard this guy. So you might actually be, yeah, I don't know. You might be playing with fire there a little bit. You don't want to get around that you're fun, the full size candy guy. Yeah. You don't want to get your house toilet papered. You know, that's the last thing you don't want your house egged. You know, that's always my big concern. I don't want to be the, the house in the block that's the target of shenanigans. Nobody wants that, you know. I remember the one year I ran out, so I was giving out – I was scrambling, man. I was giving out, like, like power bars and <laughs> – Saltine crackers. Here you go. <laughs> whatever like... I had, like, packs of adult gum, you know, not even fun gum, like adult gum. Like, like Here's here's wintergreen. <laughs> yeah, here's some wintergreen gum. Uh, that's all I got, kid. You know, here's a couple sticks. Here's, here's a some granola. aluminum foil. You're going to need this. It's good. Here, it's you... aluminum foil salad, like – I broke out some granola bars that were sitting in the pantry for at least nine months that I just never ate. You know what Definitely I mean? Definitely stale. Yeah, those kids broke their teeth and had to go to the dentist because Definitely of fucking ass. Yeah, like. It was some off-brand granola bar, and I didn't like it, so they were just sitting in there. Everyone's got that shit just laying around, you know? So I was like, I got to do something here. So, uh, you know, you can't run to the store and get something because if the door is unoccupied and you don't answer, you're going to get egged in toilet paper, you know? So you just got to roll the dice and give them the wintergreen gum and the stale granola bars, and you got to see what happens. So, uh, yeah, yeah, make sure that doesn't happen anymore. So you got to overbuy. Yeah, overbuy. and that's the problem with that is is because every year we do overbuy. And like, we're definitely overbought again. And the issue is then I eat it all. Like, the, I, I have no control. Like, we A, can't get Halloween candy early because everyone's like, oh, now's a good time to get it. It's on sale. I'm like, I cannot have that much candy in my house because right. I'm an asshole. I'm going to eat it all. 
That's and right. then we're going to have to run out anyway, like two days prior, to get it. Because if I know there's a bag full of Butterfair, if I know there's a bag full of Skittles, those things are going to be every time I walk into the kitchen, I'm going to be like, ah, whatever, it's fun size. Like, it's just eight Skittles. Who cares? And then I do that every day, and then we're all out of Skittles. And then, you know, the time comes, the, the doorbell rings. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I ate all the Skittles. Like, Yeah. Do you, uh, do you dress up the dogs? Uh, we used to. I don't, I, we'll see about this year. Because we always had uh, we always had Halloween parties. I mentioned that before. We've always had a bunch of people over. We decided this year not to do it. It's just too much of a pain in the ass, too much work. Uh, we've been so busy on weekends or whatever. So we're just like, fuck it. We don't really want to party this year. So usually the dogs get dressed up for the parties. But uh, yeah, they, uh, Hans enjoys it. Louis, Louis, not so much. Louis was not a fan ever. Yeah, I got one that up. doesn't mind and the other one that can't fucking stand it and she wants to die. You know, she yeah, did- Louis just stops walking. He just You put it on him and he just plops to the ground. That's like, what my move. Yeah, he just sits and plays yep. dead. And you're like, all right, come on. Like he won't Madeline, he just looks at you like, nope, I'm not doing a thing until you take this fucking thing off. Like, I don't want to be Pikachu. Get this Pikachu shit off me right now. And he won't move. He just lumps there. He'll lay on his belly and just stare at you. And and like you can't move him either. It's like the stiffest thing you've ever lifted in your entire life. Like right. the dog's only 15 pounds, but he must he might as well be like 300 pounds when you try to lift him. Until that costume's off. <laughs> exactly. And then they're good. But uh, yeah, Louie loves it. So your chihuahua's yeah. all about it. The Chihuahua's all about it. Madeline wants no part of it, and she does what your dog does. She just freezes until she, I take it off. She won't move, and she just looks sad. Her tail goes down. <laughs> right. Her ears flop, and she just looks at me like, why? She's like, I'm eight years old. I got like four years left on this planet, and why are you doing this? this day. <laughs> I, I don't want to be a hula dancer. I've had enough. It's, it's not funny. It's torturous. Um, I know people are going to rip me for dressing my dogs up. I don't care. Um, I think it's funny. I think it's uh, just the right amount of humiliation to keep these animals in line. You know what I'm saying? And some dogs like it. Like Hans enjoys it. Like I take, I, I open that drawer because we, we have a drawer that we put like, because he, he has like, because if I take him outside for walks in the winter, he wears a little sweater because he's like hairless. He's a skinny hairless dog. Like you, you can't just put him out there in 10 degree weather and have him be. So he's got like, but anytime I open that drawer, man, he gets pumped. He is ready to go for whatever I have. And then like, you, you can just dress him in that. Like if he wants to go out as a hot dog in November, he doesn't care. You just throw the fucking hot dog on him and he's, he's good to go. He'll walk around the block and whatever but he i he likes the comfort of it where louis yeah he's he's doesn't but some dogs do it you know enjoy it like some that are cold they you know they're feeling warm it's it's a jacket to them so hey whatever like sounds like a similar situation because the chihuahua cannot go out in the cold either so during the 10 days of the year when it's cold here in texas uh she too must wear sweaters it's a much because she won't go out it's either i put the sweater on her or she's pissing and shitting in the house because she will not go out there she'll just look at me and she's like no this is not gonna happen I am from Mexico, and I am not going out. I'm not used to these to these temperatures, and I'm not going out. And that's just the end of it. So, yes, yeah, I got to put them in the sweater. And now everyone's picturing us dressing up our dogs in sweaters. You realize that? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll show a picture if they want. I have many pictures. But the one one exception, though, for Louie, you know, I said he doesn't like any Halloween stuff. You put him in whatever. We have a Santa costume that if you put him in that fucking Santa costume, he walks around the house and struts around like he's – he owns the place. I don't know that's why. A big, he's a big Christmas fan. I guess. Like, he, everything else you put him in, and even if it's the same way, it looks the same, it hugs him the same, whatever. He hates it. He lays down. He gets annoyed or whatever. You put him in, and it's got a fucking hat. Like, no dogs like hats. We put the hat on him as a joke, and he's strutting around the house, walking around. Like, and he gets mad when you take it off. Like, he looks at you like, no, I, I, I want to be Santa. So, I, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing ever that you put him in. So, we assume that he would be fine with everything else. He hates everything else, that Santa costume. You, you take it out of the drawer. He sees it, tail up, wagon. He goes nuts. You put it on. He, he just trounces around the house for hours. He, he will never want it off. It's the weirdest thing. I have no clue why he likes the Santa costume so much. 
maybe that one feels good on his body or something. I guess. I, yeah, <laughs> it's fairly bizarre. So, uh, how long have we been going? You got a timestamp here for Rick? Uh, you know what? I was going to, but then I think I hit forgot to hit stopwatch as I'm uh, want to do. So you want me to start it right now? Let's act like the show just started. Joe, we well, are uh, only no, a minute no. in. See, no, the, the reason I was saying was we can help out Rick the Supersonic this week with his timestamp gimmick on the board. Oh, that's true. Right, right, right. No, but but unfortunately, you don't know how long we've been going. So No, I don't. Sorry, uh, sorry, Rick. And this apologies. is actually the first one that's actually not about wrestling. So um, Apologies to Rick the Supersonic who has to figure out his own time this week. Yeah, but, darn. Uh, I don't mind that you that annoys you the timestamp gimmick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't annoy me. I, I don't mind. Um, you know, I think if people want to skip the uh, the opening round of banter, that's their prerogative. It's a podcast, you know. You got the sliding game. You can skip shit. You can skip around. That's the beauty of it. If people want to skip to the third hour tease and find out who uh, the next Triple Crown challenger is, Rich, I bet you they're skipping down there to find out. They're waiting with bated bread. They want to know. You know, they can do that. This isn't live radio. So uh, I don't know. I don't know why the timestamp gimmick gets under your skin. That bothers you, huh? Because if people listen, they know what we do here. You know what I mean? Like they, it's it's yeah. not like a very unique approach. Like the thing that would, would and the reason the timestamp gimmick worked with the old Observer board and the old you know Wrestling Observer newsletter yeah, or the Wrestling Observer radios or whatever is that you know the the thing would say WWE TLC uh, you know this wrestling news this wrestling news and Brian would go okay Dave let's talk about TLC and Dave would go oh no actually let's talk about you know. Ronda Rousey weighed in at a quarter pound heavier than what we thought she was going to weigh in. And then talk about that shit for 45 fucking minutes at the beginning of the show, which makes sense then. Okay, good. That's a much easier way. I, I clicked that expecting to get, you know, TLC, expecting to get Dave reporting on it in, in, in no way in the title or the description did it say that for the first fucking 45 minutes, we're going to talk about weight cutting and how a quarter of a pound, you know, ruined an entire card or whatever. But that's what would happen. Whereas us, it's like, you know, the first. 10 minutes are going to be us fucking around. Like, it, you know, I, I don't know. It, and in some cases, we talk about wrestling during that fuck around period. But then he's still, we were like going through cage match. I was like, oh no, they didn't start talking until 30 minutes. No, we talk about wrestling half the time during that 30 minutes or whatever. So you tell people to skip that and they're skipping stuff that's actually about wrestling. So that's why I kind of find it annoying. Not, not so secretly sassy. Krejci is fired no, up. No. Fired up. Fired up. Well, we're going to start off with the TLC, Rich. The, uh, the tables, ladders, and chairs show as you, uh, as you rip into Rick the Supersonic here, did you watch the pre-show match? I, uh, no, no, I did not. But I thought well, you were tuning in. Yeah, but then I heard it wasn't on before. there. Yeah, no, and then it was it was going, and it was going, and it was going. I, I watched for like maybe 15, 20 minutes or whatever, and we were, I think, about 15 minutes till the show was starting, and then that's when Sasha and, and um, Alicia Fox got on, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, are we not going to have – and then he just comes out and, like, talks to the studio guys. for He talks to fucking Rosenberg or whatever for, like, two minutes, and then Drew Gulak's gone. So it was a bait and switch. Like, the PowerPoint, Rich, was cut for time. Fuck. I'm glad I didn't watch the whole thing. I'm glad I got away. How did you cut for time? How were you cut for time? So how did you miss the Sasha Banks-Alicia Fox match if you were tuned in for the PowerPoint? Well, what time? What, what was the? Do you remember what time the? Because I, I I ducked out when I realized the PowerPoint. What do you think? I'm time stamping the. I don't, I don't remember. Time. I'm trying to remember because I I definitely did not see the match, so I don't know when. Like maybe it was at the bottom of the hour that Gulak came out and, and talked to the studio guys. So then I bounced out after that. It was something like that where I saw him and I knew the PowerPoint thing wasn't happening, so I just bounced out for a little while. So the point is, once again, you did not watch the pre-show no, match. No. So you cannot break down Sasha Banks defeating Alicia Fox by submission. I cannot. Can you? Yeah, it was a pretty okay. good match. Asuka <laughs> defeats Emma by submission in the pay-per-view opener. It's actually. It's, I know we have a lot to yeah, say about it, this. Just for the record, it's it, it's Asuka, by the way, in case you want to. 
That's what I said. <laughs> Asuka, like you and Dave, you and Dave Meltzer. Say, say it again. Say Asuka. I didn't say Asuka. I didn't say Asuka. Say? I said Asuka. 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 Not Asuka. I say, I say Asuka. I said Asuka. Like okay, without the it. you, like Shinsuke, right? Yeah. I, think, I don't think you said that the first time. There, anyway, go on, go on. You're good now. Asuka. I question myself. Asuka, right? Asuka. No, so you're saying it's different right there. I said Asuka. No, no, no. Say it again. Asuka. Yes. With the, without the U. Right. But then you say yeah. something. Sometimes you say another one. No, I say Asuka. Asuka. <laughs> there, right? No, that's different. You're driving me crazy. You say Asuka it's... sometimes, and then you say Asuka sometimes. Listen, do people know who I'm talking about? <laughs> Jack Gallagher. Yeah, Jack Gallagher. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're good. All right. So All right, he's on this show, by the way. Um, Asuka defeats Emma by submission. Um, okay, we might as well just get this out of the way, right? Let's I mean, we've got, we've got a lot to talk about here, and we can tie in the Raw match with this, which I thought was even worse than this. Uh, let's do a little bit of clarification. It seems as though – now, l- let's be clear about something, okay? Last week, we came on the show, and we both agreed – that the best course of action for this particular match would be a 30-second squash. Get Asuka in there. Get a dominant win over Emma, who's a non-entity. I mean, she's a non-pushed commodity. She's she's going nowhere on this roster. Um, you know, she's 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 a nothing mid-carder at best and a preliminary wrestler at worst. I think you would agree with that. Um regardless of what her skill level uh, between the bells is. I, I, I enjoy her as a worker. She's fine. I thought she was terrible on Monday, but we'll get to that. Um, but, but you know, she's a non-entity. It's not yeah, like... No, and, and last week on the show, and, and that's something, again, to clarify, you, you know, we think she's not an entity, but I said that, like, I I would find something to do with her, you know. I, that was always my mystery, is it's like an attractive woman that's a good wrestler, and you can't figure out anything to do with her forever. And it's like... Yeah, I, you I know, yeah, you know, so we're we're in agreement that she's good and we enjoy her, but in this current environment, in her current state, the current character, all the background that we've seen, the, the what we've seen them do with her, we know that yeah, she's a non-entity. She's nothing. I think every time I bring up Emma, every time that we bring up Emma on this show, I tell the same stupid anecdote of uh, of how she had a very good NXT house show match that I saw against Bailey, and I thought for sure at some point, based on how good those house show matches were, that they would do an Emma versus Bailey takeover match, which they never ended up doing. So it's not as if, you know, we wouldn't put, we would push Emma, but they do not push Emma and they have shown no indication that they're ever going to push Emma. So that's why we say that she's just, I see a match like this with a hyped newcomer who's got vignettes and they're making a big deal out of her. She's coming in with a legendary NXT run. One of the greatest title runs in the history of the company. They're telling you she kills everybody. They're telling, telling you she's dominant. It's, you know, right. Yeah. And then you bring her in. I mean, then to me against someone like Emma, to me, that just screams, okay, we're going to get a squash match here. Now, let me be clear. I would have done a squash match. I would have had her get in there with Emma, kick her head off in 30 seconds and beat her, make the big impact, uh, make her appear dominant, make the fans say, whoa, this is someone I need to pay attention to. Because something else I don't, uh, that I've learned on Twitter over the last few days is that there's still a large segment of WWE fans who do not realize that there are many many main roster fans who pay no attention to NXT. We've seen evidence of that over the years. You see hot NXT acts get called up to the main roster and nobody knows who they are. You're, you're, you're not starting completely from scratch, Rich, but you're essentially starting from scratch when you get called up. 
uh, it's a whole new ball game, and you really have to reestablish these people. And um, to me, as my phone uh, unprofessionally keeps going off here, uh, to me, it was important to establish Asuka right out of the gate as a dominant force because that's what she was in NXT. Her, she had this dominant aura of someone who was completely different than everyone else, a true ass kicker. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that uh, it, it had to absolutely have been a 30-second squash. If they established her character that she was dominant, I would have been okay with that. The match could have been three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes. It even could have been the nine-minute match that they gave us. My issue with the match is it was worked completely against Asuka's strengths. She was working from the bottom as a babyface. They were working a traditional WWE television match where the heel dominates and then there's hope spots and the hope spots get cut off. And then the baby face pulls off the miraculous victory in the end. That does establish Asuka. It does nothing to play to her strengths compared to when she started with NXT. They started her off with four dominant performances to establish her. Okay. Three squash matches on NXT TV where she murdered people and the match against uh, Dana Brooke on the takeover, which, you know, essentially was just her slapping around Dana Brooke, like a dying mouse for five minutes before putting her away. Uh, and, and, and then she had the, uh, the takeover match against Emma that everyone seems to be comparing this one to failing to realize that Emma was a push commodity on NXT and Emma is a nothing uh, wrestler on, on the main roster. I, I, but here's the biggest problem, Rich. And, and, and then I'll let you talk about this, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, and, cause then they follow up on Monday and I figure, okay, they can redeem themselves on, on, on Monday and they come out and they do another match against Emma and Rich, that one's even worse. I mean, Emma took 90% of that match. Uh, you know, it, it was embarrassing. They didn't even have Asuka come out strong to start the match. And uh, then Emma just dominates the match. And it was a shitty match. I thought Emma's performance in that match was horrible. She was doing that WWE thing where they take the bump before the contact is made. It drives me nuts. She did it two or three times. It's a bad habit that everybody has in that company. Um, and, and it just wasn't a good match. And if you notice on Raw... Asuka came out to a pretty good reaction at the pay-per-view. On Raw, she came out to a so-so reaction. Then, during the match, there was no reaction because the match was terrible and she was getting her ass kicked. And then when she won the match, she got zero reaction. She's getting worse and worse reactions as we go. And if you want to make the excuse that it was a poor Raw crowd, the segment immediately following the Asuka-Emma match was, a, was, a, uh, was an Alexa Bliss-Mickey James um, interview segment in the ring, and the crowd was hot for it. So... I don't want to hear excuses about the Green Bay crowd. The match killed the crowd on Raw. And what they've done now, two nights in a row with Asuka, has failed to establish her, failed to establish her gimmick of being dominant to the main roster fans. Why would anyone who has never seen her before think that she's anything special based on these two matches? And that's the issue. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the issue. There is no reason for anyone to think that this person is anything special based on those two matches because she struggled twice with Emma who has been clearly established as nothing special. So, so what has she shown? Yeah, she's won the matches, but what does that really mean? We've seen, this is not real sports this is pro wrestling. Okay. Winning, you know, it's like you can win and not get over or you can lose and get over. We've seen that and we've talked about it on this show. These were two wins that did not get her over. Yeah, my, my big thing, and you mentioned there a few times, it's special. 
And, and yep. that's where it really comes down to. People can can talk about match times all they want. They can talk about wins and losses all they want. But when you're debuting somebody and you're telling us this person's special, this person's different, this person's unique, this person has this, this person has this, this is their history, this is that or whatever, that's well and good. But if when the bell rings, it's not special, it's not unique, and it's not different, which those two matches were not. Like you said, they were to the exact style that a WWE formula match is. Heel takes 90%, babyface pops up, Hits their big move, taps out, gets the win. Yeah, it's well and good. They got the win, but the, where, where's the where's the break in the formula? Where's the where, where does it remove you from the lull that you can kind of get in when, when everything is formulaic, when everything's the same? You, you're left after this week thinking that Asuka is just another woman on the roster, just roster fodder, just another person to, to, to fill the depth. And, and, and yeah, she's winning, and she's got a cool entrance, and she's got cool music or whatever. That only gets you so far. There's a lot of guys and girls in that company that have great music and, and cool entrances or whatever. Bailey has a really cool entrance. Or did, you know, NXT, that entrance was super over. But when you see it every week, the entrance isn't as unique, and you have to find another way to make something unique. You have to find another way to to, to maintain the aura. And we've talked about it a lot, you, you know, with, with wrestlers all, all the time. I mean, that is a huge thing, the aura that you have. When you come out, the aura that you have when the bell rings, the aura that you have when you win a match, the aura when you're in the ring, that's all important. That's all unique, and it's all something that you want to build, and you want to build that from for Asuka. I mean, you're, you're building up Asuka as this thing that's special, as, as a killer, and you're building up her, her up, and, and you've been building her up. And I think that's the, the, the real big thing, too, is that, you know, time and time again, we've seen, you know, people be built up in NXT, come to the main roster, and struggle. And some people will use the argument, well, NXT is the minor leagues, and, 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 and you know, WWE is the main roster. In the main roster, you should struggle a little bit because you come from the minor leagues. I, I don't buy that, and I don't like that at all because there's 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 a few different scenarios there where you, what what's the point then of really building people up in NXT? Yes, you're obviously trying to draw for NXT, but the goal would be to transfer what they've done in NXT and transfer that aura and transfer all that star building that you've done in NXT and put it on the main roster with a pretty much ready-made star. I mean, you have your segment of fans that now know her, that now have established with her and go, okay, yeah, I know Asuka. She was an ass kicker in NXT. But then you want those fans, as, as you've mentioned, that don't know about her and don't watch NXT to know, okay, she's an ass kicker. Your, your, your friends that watch NXT are going to tell you that, but we want to show you that to you. And, and, and the only way to show that is to have her be different and have her be unique and, and, one of the big arguments that we're seeing through the entire two nights was that, well, what what do you do with Emma then? And oh, what you don't want to destroy Emma? And what about who the fuck cares about Emma? Like, it, like it, it, it's it, it amazes me that these people, uh, you know, and I, I saw this with articles too, and it wasn't just people that we argued with on Twitter. You go on on different websites and different articles. People were saying, oh, Emma looked great here, and oh, it was a, a great match for Emma. I mean, she really shined, and and she looked good, and Oscar looked good. They both looked good. And it was a good match or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. But what's the end game? The end game is to get Oscar over. Yeah, that's all well and good, but the purpose of these matches wasn't to get Emma over. That's that, what I mean. That proves us right. That make that proves that our point is right because right. nobody should have left that match saying, "Wow, Emma looked good." I don't want to. I don't want my if if I'm drawing up that match and I'm saying, "Okay, our our you know our bullet points of this match are Oscar Emma." My goal is Oscar looks awesome. Oscar looks special. Awesome debut. That's what I want. I don't want people to go, oh, wow, Emma looks pretty good there. Wow, Emma did a hell of a job. Or, wow, Asuka made Emma look great. I don't want Asuka to make Emma look great. I want Emma to make Asuka look great. I want Emma to do whatever she can to make Asuka look like an ass kicker. And that, that we, we somewhere along the line, I don't know why we've lost this concept. And a lot of people have lost this concept of, of, of how you build stars and how you build sort of a hierarchy as well. We talk about it all the time in New Japan. And, you know, for better or for worse, they have a very strict hierarchy and people stay in those hierarchies. When, when, when Okada is against, you know, or any, any low level guy, pick, pick a guy out. It doesn't Yujiro, matter. Yujiro. Yeah. You're Yujiro. Yeah. Perfect. It's, 
Okada's going to destroy Yujiro because they're just in different and it doesn't make Yujiro a, a geek and it doesn't make Yujiro uh, an absolute nothing but is proving that someone is more dominant than someone else and that is how you make a star and that's how that person then rises above the muck because they prove that they are different and they are unique and, and there's something special about this person and, and people you know I, we were arguing a lot on Twitter as well and again like it's not just a Twitter argument because I saw it in many other places written and, and, and stuff is that well you don't want Asuka to look so strong and then what does she do next like everybody said, well, if she just destroys Mem- Emma, what does she do next? Well, I don't. Any, f- rich, rich, <laughs> rich. Anybody who makes that argument, and I, I, my mind was. I, I don't. I don't mean this to be cruel. I don't mean this to be condescending, but it will come off that way. The people who are making those kinds of arguments do not understand how pro wrestling works. You just don't. If your argument is, where do you go from here if she dominates right out of the gate, or if your argument is, well. NXT is the minor leagues and WWE is the big leagues, so people should struggle coming from NXT. You don't understand how pro wrestling works and how making yeah. stars work. One wrestling one one. Yeah, and maybe you should listen to us and learn. Okay, you want to make somebody look special when they debut, especially if if look this. And again, we're not the ones. Okay, we're not the ones who put all those vignettes on TV. Okay, we're not the one. Now, look, if they don't think Asuka special, if they think Asuka is mid-card fodder, that's fine. They did a great job establishing that she's just another mid-card uh, body, if that's the case. If their goal here was to get Emma over, mission accomplished. Because like we said, Emma got all the shine here despite losing in these matches, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and some of the, the, the things that you read on the internet are, are the proof of that. Um, the idea is to create stars is you have to make people look special. And I, I think it's inarguable that Asuka came out of these matches looking, looking special. She didn't look special at all. What, 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 what made her stand out with these two performances that she caught Emma? Look, here's the thing. If they're making her, if her gimmick on the main roster is going to be, I catch people in the chicken wing after being dominated for 90% of the match, I can tell you right now that will never get her over as a star. And I'll take my W on that right now. It'll never happen. She will never get over as a star if that's how her match layouts are going to be from this point forward. And I know a couple of you geeks are screaming at your your phones or your radios right now saying, well, that's how she won her takeover, a lot of her takeover matches. She didn't dominate people. She didn't squash people. There's a big difference between a quarterly takeover match, a well-built rivalry match on a takeover, television debut or a debut to establish someone there's a difference there yes she should struggle with ember moon yes she should struggle with whoever the challenger is that quarter who she shouldn't struggle with is a mid-card essentially a jobber in emma that the the purpose of these matches should, should have been to establish asuka as a as something special as someone dominant as someone eye catching as someone who's going to be a threat rich if these matches, if that match at TLC was against Sasha Banks, I'd have no problem with the way it was laid out. Sasha Banks is a pushed commodity and a star. Now, I wouldn't recommend starting Asuka off against somebody like that. But if that's what they chose to do and put her right in there with a Sasha Banks and they had a 50-50 match and Asuka won in the end, the narrative would be completely different here. But it was fucking Emma, a complete non-entity. She should have come out of both of these matches looking like a million bucks. They had a chance to fix it the next night, and they fucked it up even worse. And you know what? I'm, you know, it's, 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 I just think what I learned was what was really eye-opening to me was there's a lot of pro wrestling fans who either forgot how stars are made or don't understand how stars mm-hmm. are made. 
that was eye-opening. Rich, I was shocked. Yeah, no, it, it was stunning throughout because one of the arguments that I was having with a lot of people is they were, you know, when they were mentioning, well, what, well not necessarily what you do with Asuka next. We saw that too, which is just like laughable of like, what do you do next? It's I don't know. Like, yeah, it's keep keep what they building do, her up, what, like, what, keep building they, her up and make her a star. They, like, what, what they do with Goldberg every week. When right, that's what I said. I said, well, the one of the guys, uh, you know, on Twitter was like, well, well, what do you do with Asuka now? Does she just win the title the next night? And I was like, ah, yeah, who could, who could forget when Bill Goldberg won the title, you know, at, at Halloween Havoc 97? No, you fucking have him destroy people for, for a year and a half. You keep doing it until she's hot. Yeah, yeah, you keep doing it until she's hot and then you put the title but on the her. Too, like, and it's not like you and I are being like you know well back in the 1950s or the or ryback like you don't have to go far back to watch what they did with ryback i mean this is a pretty obvious ryback came he beat up a bunch of jobbers for rich months and months rich. and months and then he had a match with cm punk where it was ryback's undefeated streak against cm punk's long title reign and god damn it it, put, it popped a huge number by their standards rich, at that point. forget ryback how about braun yeah you're right yeah Braun Strowman. You know, even Perfect. more recent and, and you know what i brought up braun on on Twitter, no. which is which is evil, <laughs> and you know what? Some you know what? Some complete moron who doesn't understand. Uh, he, he, they actually said, "Oh well, he went. He he had a fifty fifty match with Sami Zayn, so you're wrong." Again, it, it, it's like <laughs> you're missing the point. You're missing the point. You know, it's it's not about you know because then because I think the biggest mistake I made was bringing up Goldberg because then everybody got wrapped up in. It's it's it it's not you know she didn't squash everybody in NXT which by the way I could also refute because I looked it up she had twenty she's had twenty five televised singles matches and eleven of them went under five minutes so this is a person who doesn't squash people and, pay and attention other, pay problem. attention yeah. <laughs> you're not paying attention if you don't think Asuka was squashing people okay no she didn't squash people at the takeovers but she was a, but in, in establishing her dominance she squashed plenty of people. You're not paying attention if you if you don't think that if you don't think her gimmick was that she was a scary badass motherfucker, then I don't know what NXT TV that you were watching. That was her. That was the basis of her gimmick. And I've got people arguing with me, telling me that her gimmick was someone who hung on by a thread and would pull out victories in the end. And that was not yeah, her was gimmick, Rich. I was watching a different show too. But you were watching a different show. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. Yeah, my, my TV idea was that that people were scared of her. Like William Regal would set up matches and opponents would be terrified. Yeah, like the Peyton Royce and and, and Billy Kay are you know shivering in their boots that they have to get in the yeah. ring with her. You know she right. comes in and they're like, oh no, we're dead. And yeah, they might get some offense in, but at the end of the day, she's the dominant one. And, and yeah, they might get a few moves in, they might get a few hope spots in, but once she locks in that chicken wing, you're done. That's a whole lot different than being dominated, thrown to the outside, every move hit on you, and then you just lock in the chicken wing out of nowhere and you win. That's not. That's a lot different. Than- there were scenarios where William Regal would use Asuka to get comeuppance on heels. Oh, well, now you have to face it's like it would be it's the old Teddy Long Undertaker gimmick. That's how she was used a lot of the time with, with, with by, by William Regal. And, and of course, there were matches that were that were 50 50 evenly fought matches. And you, and you know why those matches were designed to get the opponents over because they went 50 50 with this monster who destroys everybody that you know, that 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 Ember Moon match. Again, that's a perfect example of somebody getting over stronger with a loss because she took this unbeatable force to the limit. And when you build someone she almost up properly, had it, yeah. she almost had it, almost had yes. it, and just lost it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it doesn't matter that she lost the match because she got over in doing so because she almost beat this unstoppable force. Well, if you never establish that person as that unstoppable force, and you're not going to do that by winning matches this way. I mean, this is just pro wrestling 101. And I, I can't believe that we're forced to explain <laughs> this to people. 
it is you know, it is ridiculous yeah no and 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 one of the points i was going to bring up a little bit earlier and I, I have another one as well is is a lot of the arguments that i was hearing from people is is that you know it it you can't have it seesaw in one direction. You can't have one person. You you can have a match where one person looks dominant and the other one doesn't look bad or whatever. And that's what people are saying is that, you know, you don't have to, to build up Asuka, you don't have to reduce Emma to nothing or to reduce her to shambles. Well, my argument is, is in one way, you, you kind of do. You know what I mean? Like if you want to establish one wrestler, it sometimes can come at the expense of the other one. Like, you know what I mean? If yeah. you really want to make that, that this one is so much better than this other wrestler, sometimes, yeah, you are have to do that, but that's the decision you have to make. That's when you sit down at the booking meeting, you sit down with your pencil, and you go, Asuka is what we're worrying about right now. Who cares about Emma? All that matters is getting Asuka over. Asuka yes. is what we care about right and, now. And, and what it comes down to is, are you more interested in building a dominant star or are you more interested in keeping everybody? Right. Uh, and, and if you want to keep everyone on the level playing field, that's fine. If you want everybody to be 50-50, that's fine. That's what WWE's done for quite a few years. I'm and that's go with why the, they can't build a fucking star. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to go with the route that has been done for decades and built mega stars all around the country and all around the world or whatever. That's the model I'm going to go with. If you want to go with the model that everybody always kind of stays in this little muck and and if you want the model of jump if, you out, want, yeah. if you want the model of let's not bury anybody, we don't want to bury Emma, well then you're going to have a roster full of Emmas. Right, which is fine. If that's what you want, knock yourself out. I don't. I me personally how I would build somebody is is by doing that. And that's the other thing I wanted to bring up is is I don't care what she did in NXT. I don't care that oh, well she didn't squash people in NXT. Whether that's true or false or whatever, you've sort of proved that it, that it's not, but if you want to go with that argument, well, that's not what she did in NXT. I don't care if that's what she didn't do in NXT. This is the if, if this is something that you're caring about, that you're building up, and you're as you're saying, running those vignettes and, and having commentary put her over. I don't give a fuck what she did in NXT. This is how we build a star because this is how you've built stars in wrestling history for years and years and years and years. This is the template. It's not like some breaking news that we have today. It's not some unbelievable hot take that we have that hey, have people look dominant and have them win in convincing fashion for a long time to establish them as being a big deal. But apparently that's – like, I don't, I don't care that in NXT. If in your mind in NXT she was a 50-50 wrestler, which, again, is, is totally false. I mean, I mean you're, that is you're, your, wrong. Your, your, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. But right. If, but if that's what you believe, that's fine. I don't care, though. But that's not how I would establish her on the main roster. I can still right. say that it was dumb because people are saying, well, you cannot expect this on the, on, on the main roster because that's not what you did in NXT. I, to me, that that's just – it's a misnomer. It doesn't matter what you did in NXT. It's because a yeah, exactly. It's clean slate in some, in some ways. Yes, you've established the star in a little bit of way, but in your mind, if you thought she was 50-50, whatever. I mean, again, you, she's not, but Rich, it's a clean slate a- now. You're coming to the main roster. It's ready to go. It's it's go time. It's star-making time. Correct. And, and there's not you a don't ten- make a star, a- but yeah. It, it's, it's, there's not a 10-year-old in that building or a casual fan in that building who gives a shit about her winning streak in NXT. It doesn't matter to them. This is a brand new wrestler to them, and you need to establish this wrestler. And maybe... Maybe there's the possibility, and maybe it's possible that the company itself overrates the NXT influence. Maybe they just assume that these fans know what Asuka is all about, know what her deal is. And but I, I that is, is that's obviously false. We've seen it proven time and time again when we see these NXT acts come up and get no reaction. People don't know who they are. Um, I think there's the, the a lot of the fans overrate uh, the NXT carryover, and maybe the company is too. What I personally think, this is my personal belief, and this delves into conspiracy theory territory possibly, and that's fine. My personal belief is uh, there's a little bit of Vince McMahon kind of, um, I don't want to say jealousy towards NXT, but sort of showing his his son-in-law, your cute little acts are going to have to earn it here. 
We're going to make yeah. it hard. No, I'm gonna, sure that's it. I'm positive it, it is. We're I mean, going to make it. We're going to make it harder for them to get over. They're going to have to earn their way and get over. We're not just going to hand it to your cute little development developmental acts. You know, it's it's kind of this thing where, um, you know, Vince probably sees these takeovers and, and and these crowds that his shows cannot produce. His shows do not create. His crowds do not have the kind of heat that these takeover crowds have. And uh, and and there's just something that they do at NXT that the main roster has not been able to capture since since the Attitude Era, and that's just a fact. And uh, maybe there's just a little bit of I'm going to stick it. You know, these there's a little bit of vindictiveness to it. I think to where we're going to make it difficult for these people to get. They're really going to have to earn their keep. Okay, we're going to bring Shinsuke Nakamura up, and we're going to have him go 50-50 with Dolph Ziggler, who has no credibility anymore. We're going to bring Asuka up, and she's going to go. She's going to go 75-25. Yeah, I mean, geez, that side. wasn't even. We're using 50-50. I mean, go, both those matches were not 50-50. Those were 80-20. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was. And, and, it was and, nuts how much Emma was dominating. I'm watching this. Right. Like, what are you doing? Why is and this happening? This Asuka and commentary is putting Emma over too. The Booker T and Corey. Wow, Emma's looking great here. Wow, Emma's really taking it to Asuka. What are we doing? Yeah, and what's with the commentary with the fun-loving Asuka? Oh, they keep pushing oh, this idea that oh, she loves oh, to have fun and to entertain. Oh, mm. they, they are making there's it there's there's another the thing at play there too. I mean, there let's not forget what Asuka is and, and who she is and where she's from. I'll, sure. I'll I, I, there's no yeah. question, but I think there's a concerted effort to push her in a different way. I think that's also a Vince thing. He's so stubborn and bullheaded that he wants to get these NXT acts over in a different way than they his got way. over in NXT. His, his way. way. Right. They have to be his because again, there's history here. We've seen him do that with WCW acts, with ECW acts, with the ECW brand. This man. It cannot allow something that was over and NWO. You go right down the line. Anything that he gets that was successful previously, he has to find a way to put his own stamp on it and make it successful his way. And I think there's a little bit of an element of that as well. He probably saw tapes of Asuka, saw that she's very charismatic, and decided, oh, she's a she's a showwoman. She's entertaining. Let's push her as an entertainer, damn it. Instead of this dangerous killer that she was presented as in NXT. And it's not going to work because it's not what she is. In NXT, they accentuate strengths. On the main roster, they accentuate whatever Vince's current fetish is. It, and, and it doesn't work. And it's not working here. And and I, I don't and, – and, and, and she's just she's, – they haven't made her uh, appear special. And I, and I can't fathom the argument of why you wouldn't want to make someone look dominant out of the gate. I don't understand. I, I presented this on, I, yeah, I presented this on Twitter. I said someone – counter argument someone give me the negatives in presenting this person as dominant (laughs) and they could and no one could give us anything aside from protect emma protect emma protect emma i'm so sick of hearing about protecting emma who the fuck cares about emma like i'm I'm stunned by this i'm stunned by this okay well well, let's give that the benefit of the doubt let's say that we're underrating emma and maybe she's this (laughs) uh, okay rich let's just sit then the company's still fucked up because who said you had the booker against Emma? Put her in there with Alicia Fox. Put her in there with Dana Brooke. Put her in there with name your 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 woman who wasn't on this show, who was a preliminary wrestler. Put her in there with someone else and let her dominate them. Then go go local jobber route for for three it's months. If you local want to, jobber yeah. route for three months. If you don't think that works, again, look at the Ryback formula. Okay, it works. Okay, look at the Braun. That's what they did with yeah, Braun. Braun did it too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They did it with Nia Jax. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. 
They just did it with Nia Jax with, yeah, the, with Scarlett that Bordeaux Bordeaux getting destroyed by Scarlett Nia Bordeaux and uh, and um uh, um oh the girl that wrestles for Inspire uh, that does like the mall rack. Uh, Delilah Doom. Delilah Doom. Delilah Doom and and Scarlett Bordeaux. You know your local Indian. You, you know how can people say that this form? What's the downside to what we're saying? <laughs> I just that's the part that was because just like, I can point to an obvious. Right. We just pointed to the downsides of how they've handled it. What is the downside to what we're proposing? And again, it doesn't have to be squashes. It just has to be special. Yeah, All no, I'm asking I, I did, that it's special. Yeah, before we get stop, out of here, I, I did want to stop throwing times. To, stop throwing match times at me. Right. It means nothing. I don't care that her other that her takeover match with Emma was 11 minutes. It doesn't mean anything. I just want her to look special. I don't care how long the match is. You all miss the point. How can everyone be so fucking dense? I've never, never have I dealt with more dense people who couldn't understand a basic point in my life than we did this week on this topic. You're dense if you don't understand this point. I'm sorry. That's a, it just, I was trying to be nice. I can't be nice to you if you don't understand this basic fucking day one pro wrestling concept of how to make a star. I can't be nice to you. Because you're an idiot if you don't understand it. I mean, come on. You can't be that dense. How thick-headed can you be? Show me the downside. Show me the downside. I'm still waiting. No one can show me the downside. Fired up. Yeah, but you have nothing to lose. And that, that's really the, the big thing. And the, and the thing that I wanted to point out before we, we move on is, is the match times again. Like you said, everybody brings up the match time. Bring up, it doesn't – when we say squash, I think people have always understood that squash – and, and it, maybe it's our fault for bringing up guys like Goldberg or whatever. A squash doesn't mean you have to beat everybody in 20 seconds. It doesn't mean no, it has to be 30 seconds. Fault. It's their fault for being pedantic about it. And, 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 and it just it's like th- – th- that's not the point. The point is not that they're squash. The point is that how did you see Goldberg get over? How did you see Ryback get over? How did you see Nia Jax get over? How did you see Braun get over? How did you see everybody get over in history? The Warriors, Hulk Hogan, Rick Flair. Yeah, how did you see everyone, yeah, everyone get over? By showing that they're special and showing – Sid Vicious, Vader. Yeah, you can go, <laughs> yeah, on, can go and on, on and on and on and on. It's not about the match but- times. No, it can be a 15-minute match, but if Asuka's clearly in control the entire match, toying with her, fucking, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it's all about. It's about that aura. It's about when it's all said and done, what you leave that match going of, oh, my God, Asuka dominated her. You know, yeah, it went 11 minutes. Yeah, she kind of played with her. She's probably going to beat her in a minute, but whatever. Asuka looked like a million bucks when that was all said and done. And 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 the other argument that I saw from a lot of people is, well, I don't really believe that debuts matter all that much. Well, I, I think you're completely wrong because they do. I mean, it's it's it, it yes, it doesn't mean that she's completely destroyed and that she'll never get over because people are are establishing that. People are saying, oh well, you, you just hate Emma already and you think it's a, it's a, it's not going to work, or you you hate Asuka already and it's not going to work and it's a failure. And why don't they? If I hate Asuka, why am I so passionate about this? Right. Well, and the other part, well. The, 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 it's not necessarily that you hate her, but you, you, you think it's going to suck and you think it's going to ruin and, and then it's, she's ruined and it's whatever. I don't necessarily think that, but I think the optics of your 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 in, entry point is a huge deal. We've seen it with Shinsuke Nakamura. He has not recovered in one iota since that, that Dolph Ziggler thing. I mean, he came out like a million bucks at Backlash, had that 50-50 match with Dolph Ziggler, and it, it has just gone down since then. It has never ever recovered for him and it's a big deal like yeah you can say a debut is not that big of a deal and you can say oh what about stone cold and what about the rock well the rock, the rock went to survivor series and dominated one for his team like in his debut match or whatever like it it's something that has been important in wrestling history for 50 years 60 years 100 years the, the debut is a big deal and whether you think it's not that's that's your prerogative or whatever it's not that they and, and this is what we say when, when you say well i don't believe that the, the debut is a big deal 
Well, clearly they did because they ran vignettes. They had the commentary talk about her. So if that's what you're going to do and you're going to build it up to that one point, you're going to build up that this debut is important, that it means something, that you're going to run a bunch of vignettes and say, this Sunday, Oscar debuts or whatever, then yes, the debut has to be a big deal. Yes, the debut has to be important then. If you're just going to have her introduce her as a part of the roster, she's she's on the lower rung of the roster, yeah, then you can have her work up. But if you're going to tell all of your audience, this girl's an ass kicker, this girl's awesome, she's debuting this Sunday, you got to watch it. And then they watch it, and it's just fucking nothing, and it's what we saw, then you've done a disservice, and then people are disappointed. And people go, huh, she was all right. Like The bottom, the bottom line on that point is if debuts don't mean much, that's a self-fulfilled prophecy by the company. You can right. make them mean something. Pro wrestling's a work. If, if you, I, I, it always comes down to that. You said you don't have to book Emma versus Oscar. You you can book whatever the hell you want. You book this shit. You can have Oscar versus if, whoever yeah. you want. You never ever have to be booked into a corner. Ever. If debuts don't matter, it's on them. Right. You can you can make debuts whatever you want them to be. You can make them meaningless, or you can make them the most important thing. That it's a work. You decide what debuts are. And look, here's the other thing. I, I'm not saying that if they had debuted Asuka the way that I would have, that that's an instant guaranteed road to success. But it gives her a much better chance than this does. Right. Well, and you have the backing of of, of I have history dozens and dozens of years and decades because and, yeah. and, and 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 it also doesn't mean I never Rich. I don't. I and I know you didn't either. But never once did I say she was buried. Never once did I say she can't recover. Never once did I say that she she can't be a star. What we're saying is now it's exponentially harder to get her over from this point because you, you, you got off on the wrong foot. That's all we're saying. Right. You're starting a ground. You had a, you had a head start and you, you had stopped an opportunity yeah. with a fresh slate and you blew it. All I'm saying is, is they blew the debut. I never said they blew it with the wrestler. I don't know what's going to happen with Asuka. Maybe she'll settle in as a mid-carder like the rest of the women have. <laughs> the um, rest of the roster, I should <laughs> Because of these same mistakes that they make with everybody else. But what I'm saying is they blew an opportunity to do something different this time. And it's disappointing because of the vignettes and because of the anticipation that it was just the same old shit like usual. And actually even worse in this case because now she's not over at all. I guarantee you she comes out next week on Raw to a flat reaction. I guarantee it because she's already getting flat reactions in her second match because they haven't made her look special. And it's a shame. And I guess – we can uh, move well, on. Thankfully, the rest People of the show we're had perfect this, booking, so we're good. <laughs> we won't complain anymore about booking. Absolutely. Thank God. Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan defeat Gentleman Jack Gallagher and the Brian Kendrick. Um, this is a 205 live match. They've been having a little rivalry on the show. We talked about it in the preview. It was kind of cool to see a second 205 live match on a show that needed that badly needed some depth. So from that perspective, it was cool. Uh, they went in there. They did a bunch of cool spots. And other than that, it was pretty much a forgettable, I don't know, three-star match, I guess. Yeah, it was solid, um, I really but yeah, I mean, utterly forgettable. Solid, utterly forgettable. That's probably the best way <laughs> to put it. So, yeah. Alexa Bliss defeats Mickey James. Um, you know, I I pushed for Alexa Bliss pinning her clean in the middle. Uh, that's essentially what they did, I thought, on a show and on, on a week where WWE just exhibited some of the worst booking uh, imaginable that this was well-booked and done properly. Uh, but it appears as though the feud will continue. <laughs> until Raw. Yes, until Raw. When yeah. And, and, and then, clean, and then Mickey goes, ah, I want another chance. It's like, well, no. Right. So they, <laughs> even when you? they do something right, they find, they manage to do something wrong. Why would so. Alexa, Alexa just, no, I beat you. Go away. Like I, gotta old, tell you, I called you old and then I beat you. You're done. Like. 
I got to tell you though, I thought this was a really good match. I thought Nick I liked was- it. I liked it a lot. It was actually, you know, when I when I go up and down this card, I mean, it wasn't obviously it wasn't my favorite match, and then we'll talk about that coming up. But I mean, am I nuts if I say it's my second favorite match of the entire night? No, you're not. I would probably okay. agree with you. Um, I thought Mickey James looked great. Um, you know, uh, and and Alexa, Alexa can either look great like she like she does here, or it, it really depends on her. Like she has, I think she has bad chemistry with um, um, oh, why man, I keep forgetting names tonight. Um, the girl on SmackDown, redhead, Ireland, uh, Becky uh, Lynch. Becky Lynch, yeah, I think she has bad chemistry with Becky Lynch. I think she, we've seen her have bad chemistry with with some sloppy matches with some other people. She appeared to have good chemistry with Mickey James, and uh, Alexa Bliss is definitely someone to who's only going to get better. And um, you know, this was an excellent match. I think this is maybe the second or third time where we've come on here and said that she's had the second or third best match on a show. So. That's pretty impressive for little pixie dust Alexa. Remember yeah, in NXT, still what two three years into her wrestling career? I mean, it, it, uh, it, it's yeah, she fluctuates, and that's gonna yeah. that's gonna happen though. And and I think a lot of this was Mickey James being you know a pro's pro, bringing a veteran in the ring, and and you could tell. I mean, there was a lot of Mickey, you know, maybe doing a little bit of the heavy lifting or whatever. But Alexa obviously held her own too. But I thought yeah, the chemistry between those two was good. So yeah, I mean, I I don't. It's not like I mind that they're having another match. It's just that the booking kind of said. Alexa definitively beat Mickey, you know, called her old, made fun of her, then beat her. And then Mickey just comes back out again. It's like, no, <laughs> I get another match. It's like, you know, so again, yeah. it's just a weird, weird thing. But uh, yeah, we- no, I, I thought the match was, I thought the match was great. I thought it was really good. Would have been cool if Asuka just murdered Emma in the opener and then she challenged Alexa on Raw, right? That would have been kind of cool. Probably would have got a nice crowd reaction. But what do we know? You know, she should just uh, go 50-50 with prelim wrestlers. Yeah, or just, you know, Asuka can, can for months. Um, months and months beat up people and, and just continue to, to, you know, make Alexa scared. And then when that one time comes, everybody's going to be salivating for the match, but it's not like you want to build towards matches. I mean, that's who's going to buy tickets to a ma- uh, something that's been built up. You know what I mean? Listen, like, if, it, if it comes <laughs> at the expense of burying Emma, we can't do that. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want Emma to lose. I don't want that seesaw to go uh, the opposite way for Emma. So we got to, we Make gotta sure take that care of level. Yeah, everything's we gotta, gotta take care. We gotta take care of Emma, who has five wins on TV this year, and <laughs> and, and, and and two of them are on main event. We gotta protect Emma. And we'll be, <laughs> the, well, the last thing with the Emma thing is people. You know, I, I saw people on Twitter talking to us. Well, obviously, you just don't think very highly of Emma. Well, they don't. They, they ran vignettes for her for eight months, and Vince said, "Ah, fuck that," and then just got rid of it, and then didn't do anything. Rich, yes, yes, like, yes. Obviously, we don't see much in Emma, but you know, they obviously see the world in Emma. It, you know what I mean? She's, like, she's, ah, she's not hot enough to play what I want her to play. Get her out of here. Like, that's that's she's got, she's, she's got five wins all year on TV. <laughs> I mean, Vince ran vignettes of her for six months and then decided she like wasn't hot enough or something or whatever the hell he said. And then like one day after eight months of these fucking things running, he goes, ah, then it just got rumored and she didn't do anything. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, people, yeah, we don't think highly of her, but they clearly, I mean, they, they, um, all of a sudden we're protected. We haven't protected Emma all year, but we got to protect her now. Right. I guess our debuting star um, ran vignettes for for months. All year. They haven't protected her ever, really. I mean, but yeah. okay. So Enzo Amore uh, wins the Cruiserweight title back from Callisto. We kind of predicted this one as well. Uh, the Callisto thing, they kind of just panicked and went into that when Neville disappeared from TV that week. And it was probably kind of a, a little bit of an FU to Neville, too, I think, too, to, to, to do the title switch and beat Enzo that week. So they put the title right back on Enzo. I think it's the right move. Um, I like Callisto. I don't think he's any kind of star, even at the 205 Live level. Uh, I think Enzo, if you're going to do this Enzo thing and see if he can revive the brand, then just go all in and do it and see if he can. So I really don't have a problem with it at all. Um, as far as the match, um, as far as and on the Enzo Amore curve, it wasn't that bad. Um, I had no problem with this. It existed. It didn't offend me. And uh, it was the result I was anticipating. 
Uh, the one thing that maybe annoyed me a little bit, and I guess it, it, it goes back to, to, to Raw and it, it goes back to Kalisto winning the title, is that I think now you've, you've sort of established, in a sense, like I don't know that people have that same hatred for Enzo. They had when he initially won the title and when he still had the title, there was this, you're taking, you know, you don't belong here. You don't deserve this. You know, and that was sort of the, the idea that they were kind of running with a little bit. And I thought it had a little bit more legs. You do the quick Kalisto switch, but then you have Enzo win again and he wins, you know, I think it was what he did a thumb shot and then rolled him up or something like that behind the referee's back or whatever. And the crowd kind of groaned like for a second. And then we're just kind of like, ah, whatever. It was like, it was met with apathy. And I don't, I don't know if that's good. Like, I think you still want there to be heat by him winning, and I don't know that this match had that same heat. I don't think people necessarily feel the same way about Enzo now, and I don't know if it's that title switch. I don't know if it's just you couldn't do that same story for that long, but it felt like because he had lost the title and then won it back, there wasn't that same you don't belong type thing. I, I don't know. There was something weird about this when the finish was done. I, I was hoping that you were going to get that pure hatred, that pure shock, that pure, oh, God damn it, but it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, and that's that's not good. I, I don't like that. I, I thought that they had something kind of going here with Enzo, and, and they kind of lost it. I think you need. Line. I think you need more than just that. You could be right about that. I think you need more than just Enzo on the show, though. If you really want to pump some life into it, put all of your charismatic little dudes on this thing. Get Johnny Gargano on it. Get Kenta on it. What are you doing with these guys in the NXT anyway at this point? It, 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 do, do Johnny Gargano or Kenta need more seasoning? I mean, come on, get them up on the main roster. Get Does them. Kenta on know where the hard cam is yet, though. Get them on this 205. Well, Leo Rush doesn't. Get them on this 205 live show. <laughs> that was the greatest. And, and, that's the greatest gift ever is that referee just being like, hard cam, hard cam. And he's not hearing hard cam. just screaming. And he, he turns around. Yeah. He just like looks like he, he meant to do that. Ah, yeah. What's up? Hard cam. Yeah, it's, it's, uh... and, and it's like the problem with this, though, is people is these sorts of people aren't going to want to be on 205 live. And you're going to run into the same problem that you ran into with Austin Aries and Neville where – um, you know, they'll be happy for a few weeks or a few months that they got go quote unquote called up. But then when they realize they're at the kids table, uh, they're going to be disgruntled. So you kind of have this catch 22 thing going, um, you know, with that. But I think that that's what the uh, 205 live show needs. It needs all of just your your charismatic uh, guys at that way. I mean, what, what some of these guys wasting away like, you know, get Roderick strong in that show. Get Johnny Gargano on that show. Get Kenta on that show. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and, and this, I really think like time, a, and this time on. if and this time if those guys get over the way Neville did, do right by them and give them a main roster push. And then what you establish is sort of a trail. And then people will want to go to 205 Live instead of being disgruntled to be on 205 Live because they can say, hey, well, this worked out for Johnny Gargano. This worked out for Roderick Strong. This worked out for Hideo Itami. You know, if I get over here, they're going to put me on the main roster and they're going to do some things with me. Right now, there's a negative connotation to this show uh, where it, it, the, the idea being it doesn't matter what we do on this show because we're stuck at a yeah. certain level and they're going to take someone from the main roster and put them down and give them our spot. That's the, that's the message you're sending. You know, one of the keys to good management is the message that you're sending to your employees. You know, in my line of work, I'm a big believer in promoting from within. I don't like to hire from the outside unless I have to because of the message that it sends to my employees. You know, it tells them, wow, it doesn't matter how hard I work. Joe's just going to hire some fucking buffoon from outside the company. So if, if I can, if the circumstances allow me to, I promote from within. And that motivates all of the other people who haven't been promoted. They say, wow, wait, you know what? If you work hard here, if you do the right things, if yeah. you produce numbers, Joe's going to move me up. You know? Yeah, and that's organizational and, behavior and the same thing. I mean, that's 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 any any corporate training you take, any sort yeah. of any anything worth their merit is going to say, yeah, that's what you do because you build, you know, 
if people think that there's it's all some, about morale and yeah exactly if they think that there's a ladder they think that there's a way they can move up if they think that if you're just stuck in your job and you right. know this is where i'm at and this is what i'm gonna do forever what, what's the incentive to really try hard or, or 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 do better or be happy in your job because it's just like oh this is it now like but uh my, my point about enzo and, and Callisto, and then we'll move on is is just that i thought the story to me that i really liked and i thought they kind of had something is that a lot of people going at Enzo and him somehow finding a way to still win and and this next guy coming up and being like god damn this guy does not deserve to be champion but he still walks away with doing it and I think by doing that quickie title switch by doing the little like you said the shove up the ass of, of Neville hey fuck you you know you can leave but you know is they basically just destroyed that story now because now is there really that same appeal to get the title away from Enzo is it really that same appeal? And then I, I, I you know, you watch on Raw and you watch on, on, on 205 Live is that half the roster just likes Enzo now anyway. And like he's got his little unit. And now that kind of ruins that entire thing too. And now he's just kind of a, a bad guy on the bad guy side. So I don't well, know. I, I, think, I think someone explained that. They said the story. I, I'm, a, I'm a couple weeks behind on the actual 205 Live show uh, that I have to watch tonight before I write my review for this thing, actually. But um, the, the, the idea is that he's paying those heels off now. After, oh, okay. Well, after disparaging them, so I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I like the story of, of him kind of in his world and his own, and everybody trying to go at him or whatever. But you know, whatever. Yeah. Right? That's. But I, I just think they kind of ruined it a little bit with the the quickie. I think everything got but, thrown off kilter when Neville walked out, honestly, and I, I think that changed everything. Especially, yeah. But couldn't you just have Enzo beat whoever you filled in for him? Like, you could. I mean, um, again, like you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, do I mean, I, they didn't have to do the Callisto thing. I get it. I, I'm totally, I'm in total agreement. I just wanted to say fuck you to Neville, but yeah, they're not bitter about anybody and they don't really care about that stuff, of course, except for mm. you know, completely redesigning. Yep, but whatever. Spinal meningitis threw a curveball to this show, Rich. And uh, one of the uh, the first curveball was no uh, Sister Abigail. Sister Abigail. Oh, I was so disappointed. I was so, how disappointed were you, Joe? I, I, I gotta be honest. I was looking I was forward distraught, to it. Yeah. I was looking forward to seeing it. Uh, in all honesty, I want no, to see no, it. No, no, I did too. Because last week we talked about how it finally reached fun bed. And I was like, all right, let's go. I like got all ready. I'm strapped in, ready to go. Like, this is going to be funny. And yeah, damn it. It wasn't, but so sorry, we get we got... Finn Balor versus AJ Styles in the, uh, first two leaders of the, uh, the notorious club, <laughs> the notorious according club. to Corey Graves, the notorious club, um, you know, uh, that has formed outside the WWE universe. Uh, quick question, Rich. Why was Finn Balor the demon for this match, number one, since he wasn't facing uh, Sister Abigail? I guess he figured, well, I've committed to the fucking paint, so it doesn't matter who my opponent is. I'm wearing it, damn it. And then uh, question number two. Um, I, I, I have a feeling I know where you stand with this. Was this a pretty good match, like some people are saying, or was this an awesome fucking match, like other people are saying? Uh, I'm on the awesome fucking match um, end of the spectrum. How about yourself? I think it was a pretty good match. Okay. Uh, borderline four stars. I'd go three and three quarter, four, somewhere in that range. Uh, you go a little higher, I guess. Maybe yeah, no, I, I definitely somewhere. Yeah, I four and a quarter is where I, where I had it. Yeah. Um, look, I enjoyed the hell out of it. The one thing I'll say about it, the most over fucking thing on the show. And it kind of speaks to what we spoke about at length last week. Um, you know, this bullet club thing is over as fuck and it's over all over the world. And, uh, the bullet club chance during this match, um, they do the two suite after the match, which I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, rich, this was a really fun 25 minute segment of the show. It was, uh, a crowd that was hot, a crowd that was into what was going on. It was a really cool match. It felt special and it felt like they were throwing us a bone uh, for something um, that isn't necessarily within, um, uh, you know, their storylines. But it, but they knew it meant something to everyone anyway. You know what I mean when I say that? Sure. Yeah. And whether that was accidental or not, 
um, you know, and give AJ Styles a lot of credit. You know, he came in from Chile. That's <laughs> yeah. He, he's 24 hours earlier um, to wrestle this match, which is just insane. And he goes out there and, and puts in full effort and has an incredible match. And look, this look for, 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 if you're a fan of worldwide wrestling and you follow new Japan, and I would assume every listener of this show is privy uh, to, to new Japan pro wrestling and their histories there and, and how AJ followed Finn. This was a really cool match to watch. And the post match was really cool too. And, it, and I loved how great the crowd was for this match. Also, it was, not, it was the, it was the most over thing on the show. Oh yeah. And it wasn't even close. And I, I think that's what the other part that that's really important to me. And the part that I really loved about this match is that it just, it had a different feel. It knocked you off the WWE formula. Like you're saying, you kind of had to shake your head and be like, okay, well, this is, this is different. Like AJ Styles is from a different brand. He just, he just comes because he wanted to step up and he just wanted to come and, 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 and show that he was good and that he could win or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it was a simple story, which is AJ Styles steps up to the plate. They needed somebody to fill in. He comes from Chile because he's a, he's, He's a prideful guy and he's a, a super worker, whatever, comes in and, and, and tries to prove that he can beat Finn Balor. And that's all you needed. That's all it was. And then the entire match was just, it wasn't about demons. It wasn't about anybody running each other over the car. It wasn't about somebody, you know, poisoning them. It was just like AJ Styles is a fighter and wants to prove that he's, he's the best. And and he didn't on this night, Finn Balor beat him. And it was like, all right, whatever. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you're the better man. And, and AJ kind of went away gracefully. And, and, and it's funny how that story can work and how people really are attracted to that story. And it was that the crowd was going nuts before the bell even rang. Cause it was like, Oh, this is cool. This is unique. This is different. It's just two guys that want to go out there and, 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 and prove who the better person is. And, and styles, I thought would looked awesome in this. And I thought the buildup that they did and, and the commentary did a great job too of putting it over is how cool of a deal it was that this dude, you know, they needed a guy and he stepped up right away and said, I'll come. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Chile, but I'll be there, you know, and, and, and that's it. Like he's a worker. He just wants to, you know, <laughs> fill in that spot and prove that he's, he's the best in the world or whatever. So I, I thought it was a really simple story, really good. And, and the work again, it wasn't work to kind of a normal WWE style. It was work to be sort of that challenge match where it's just like, this guy wants to prove that he's better than the other guy. It's a simple, you know, pressing one-on-one storytelling here. And, and, and I loved it. I thought it was really fun and, and the hot crowd helped a lot and, and people were into it and people didn't generally know who was actually going to win the match either. They weren't sure if styles is going to pull the win on, on, on Balor or if Balor would win. But I thought in the end, the way they did it was, um, you know, Styles was there and, and Styles was with him at every turn, but Balor just looked like the better guy when it was all said and done. Hit, hit the move nice and clean, didn't need any distractions, didn't need anything else, just beat him. And I thought, you know, stupidly me, that like, oh, that's a pretty good way to build up Finn Balor for, for like a future title shot. Like he just kind of, the, the challenger comes in, challenger talks a big game and he beats him and that's it. And it's like, all right, cool. And, you know, they, they shake hands and, and Balor moves on and Balor has, has proven his superiority over they AJ Styles sweet. on this night. They do not shake hands. They oh, that, you're right, you're right, right. Of course, yes. But they too sweet. Wink, wink, nod, nod to the notorious. The notorious uh, club and that other promotion yes. but uh um, yeah no i thought I, I loved it because i, I love that aspect i love that it, it shook you from that formula and it was just kind of a a standard challenge match you don't see these that often there's always something that has to be done there has to be somebody's doing something to the other person that makes them want to get in the ring and destroy them and beat them up and kill them and do this and we'll talk about the main event or whatever but like this was just like you know AJ Styles steps up finn balor welcomes the challenge and they fight cool and Finn Balor defeats a um, main event level guy from the other brand, clean in the middle, uh, looks impressive in doing so. And of course, they follow it up on Raw with Finn Balor defeating Kane and setting himself up for a universal title match at the next pay per view. And he's really looking like a serious threat to Brock Lesnar because of it. What yeah, do you he's think got that Kane scalp. He's got that Kane scalp. He's out of the way. Kane's gone. You know, he beats the big guy from the other brand, beats the big monster, the big red monster, I believe. Um, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why did he beat AJ Styles 
if he was going to lose to Kane the next night. You want me to answer that for you? Well, it's, I mean, it's rhetorical, but I mean, what is the thinking here? Okay. So here, here's the, okay. All right. So let's walk through this. Let's unpack this. Let's do this. Okay. So Finn Balor wins. He beats AJ Styles, which kind of curtails AJ's moment. Now, AJ had just challenged Jinder Mahal on the other show. Okay. So at some point they're going to do an AJ Styles, Jinder Mahal match. Um, you know, at some point after Survivor Series. Um, so then why would you beat AJ Styles, right? So you say, all right, well, maybe they did that because they're setting up Finn for Brock yeah, Lesnar. And, and I can buy it too because it's Styles going to the other brand. He's jet yeah. lag, He just got back from Chile. Like, and, and they built that up. And Corey Graves did an incredible job in this match of, of putting all those qualifiers on this. Is that, yeah, Styles is, is unfamiliar with Balor because he's on the different brand. He's he's not quite used to, you know, he's everything's a little different because he's on, you know, a Raw show or whatever. He's just came back from Chile. He could be jet lagged. He's just a little off or whatever. I thought they did a good job of qualifying that where I didn't think AJ lost anything by losing. But I thought no. Finn gained a ton by, yes. you know, the challenge comes out of nowhere and he just beats him. And that was it. And it's like, all right, so cool. the home so the hometown team wins. No right, problem. exactly. Yeah. And you say, all right, they're going to do a little something with Finn here. Right? You know, it, it seemed like he was going to move on from Bray anyway and move on to be Brock's next guy. It seems like they've been hinting at that. So you keep his momentum rolling. And AJ has a nice out for losing all of the things you just explained. So we go into Raw the next night and Kane is looking for a fight. And obviously, based on what happened in the main event, they're getting ready to feed Kane to Braun Strowman. So you know whoever comes out from behind that curtain is losing to Kane. So you're waiting for Kurt Hawkins. You're waiting for Matt Hardy. You're waiting for whoever the fuck. uh, Anyone they're not doing anything with right now. And Finn Bauer comes out from behind the curtain. And you're just kind of thinking, they can't really do this, right? This isn't real life. I mean, why would he have beaten AJ Styles the night before? And not only does Finn Balor lose to Kane, Rich, he loses to Kane in emphatic fashion, essentially an elongated squash with the story being that Finn, the smaller wrestler, really couldn't hang with Kane. He flew around the ring and tried his best. He tried his darndest, but the big red machine was just too much. Why (laughs) the fuck did he beat AJ Styles? Now, listen. I'm going to say something that maybe not a lot of people will agree with. I don't give a shit that Kane beats Finn, Finn Balor. I really don't. If that's what you want to do, if you want to set Kane up for, for Braun, to feed him to Braun, he's got to beat some people, fine. You can. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't feed him Finn. But if that's the guy you want to feed to him, fine. My problem with it is he beat AJ Styles the night before, before they fed him to Kane. Doesn't make any sense because now you're beating AJ Styles and you're beating Finn Balor, and these right, are probably they're probably your next two challengers for each of the respective titles. Now, yes, you have some time to give them some wins, but again, similar to this Asuka discussion, why do that if you don't have to? Just put anybody else in the ring with Kane. You have a roster full of people back there who never appeared on this Raw. Who, 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 what is Matt Hardy doing right now with Jeff injured? Nothing. What would have been the harm in sending Matt Hardy out there to take a choke slam and eat a pin? None. No harm whatsoever. And he's a guy who the fans like. So if, you're th- if you want to give Kane a little bit of a rub, that's not a bad. Or you send a jobber out there. Whatever. There's a million different guys you could have sent out there. Why Finn Bauer the night after he beat AJ Styles? This company consistently shoots themselves in the foot. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It, it, it's as if, it's as, it's as if, 
everyone in that it, it, I, I don't know i don't know anymore why am i, why yeah, am I, I, I it's 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 i it, uh, yeah it, it, you just have to throw your hands up and, and just kind of that's what i just did i literally threw my hands up yeah, and i'm like it's, you can't why either. am i getting worked up over this it, it, i mean it's just this is what they do you know it's i i i don't get it it's just it's it's incomprehensible to me how how that decision was made the next night nobody in the room had the guts to stand up and say well, this guy just beat AJ Styles this night. We, you know, we got a million other guys we can put in this match. What are we doing here? Yeah, why, why isn't Heath Slater walking out? Why isn't, you, you know, you said Matt Hardy is a per- Matt Hardy's perfect. That guy, yeah, people are going to go, oh, Matt Hardy, oh, cool. And then he just gets destroyed by Kane. And nobody loses anything. No, nobody gets changed. I mean, Kane gets a little bit of bump because, you know, he goes out there and, and destroys a guy. Matt Hardy's fine. He can go away for two months, two, you know, two weeks again or whatever and, and come back and no one's going to really care or remember or whatever. He's not, but yeah. a, he's not involved in a program right now. Right. He's not and really with the Hardy, in a program. Yeah. It, it's, and, yeah. and really right now with the Hardys, you're just biding time until you get the, the, uh, the delete stuff. I mean, so it's like, you know, it, it's, he doesn't even have a partner right now. You're not even using him. He didn't wrestle on either show. And he would have made it a heck of, he would have got the fans behind him too. And, and, and had a good little match with Kane. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's illogical and it, it continues to be there. They're, I mean, I guess it's not illogical if the whole idea is to get Kane over. You know what I mean? Like that. And that's my point. That's why my problem isn't necessarily Kane beating Finn Balor. My problem is Kane beating Finn Balor the uh, 24 hours after Finn Balor beat AJ Styles. That's my problem. Because if, you, if they want to get Kane over, fine. Then we know that's what this company does. Kane is always going to be pushed until he finally stops wrestling. Vince McMahon loves the character and always has. So I don't know. I just don't understand. The result from the night before becomes illogical when you beat Bowler the next night. Jason Jordan defeats the Drifter. I'm not calling him Elias. This man's name is the Drifter. <laughs> okay? And, and that's what it's going to be on this show henceforth. Uh, after throwing vegetables at Elias all night long and breaking up his stall, you know they were stalling for time on this show because they had like three different. Uh, <laughs> I know, Elias came out and then like Jason Jordan's throwing like lettuce at him. I'm like, what is going on? And you said they, they, they had to cut Drew Gulak's PowerPoint for time, but they can have Jason Jordan throw like spinach at Elias. Well, I think minutes. the uh, I think the Gulak thing was a they didn't really cut it for time. I think it was just to give Drew Gulak a chance to complain. No, I, I, I think know, it was a, I know, but... Okay, I wasn't sure. You, well, Rich, you no, skipped I, no, the I wasn't pre-shows. <laughs> so I don't know. You might need these things explained to you because you're you're a pre-show skipper, okay? So I'm just trying to help you out here. Um, but yeah, so uh, the Drifter, uh, then they have an impromptu match, which I enjoyed. I thought they had a neat little sprint. Yeah, Jordan looked good here. And Jordan doesn't often look great. <laughs> but uh, this he looked really good here. So No. Jordan just can't get over. I think he's a good wrestler. I think the Kurt Angle story sucks. I don't think people care about it. I don't think they buy it in 2017. It's not the kind of storyline people are going to buy. And um, and again, like like he's talk- kind of being a dickhead, too, to Elias. Elias just wants to play a song. Elias thinks he's a good artist, and, and Jason Jordan just throws, like, bananas at him, and it's like, what are you doing? You know, you know Vince you're McMahon. Bully. Like, just let the guy do a song. What <laughs> the fuck we're, him up for? We're going to talk in a minute, but he really likes incorporating vehicles into his matches. Um, but Vince McMahon also really hates people who sing, whether it's giving uh, who was the girl that had the mole on her face. And then, she uh, be- uh, oh, oh, God. Oh, I just had it. And then I lost it. Uh, Lillian, right. Or not Lillian. Uh, Jillian. Um, Jillian. Jillian, right? Jillian Hall. Jillian, so Hall, had Jillian right. Hall doing the very bad pop singer gimmick. You had uh, Jeff Jarrett being the fraudulent, um, you know, uh, country singer. Yeah, with my baby tonight. 
Yeah, you have you have the drift. Honky tonk, honky tonk tried to sing all the time. People would always honky tonk, who's a shit, you know a shitty singer. Uh, Vince McMahon has something against the fine arts, Rich. I, I don't know uh, what his deal is, or maybe he was a poor musician. Maybe he tried out for his school chorus when he was a young boy and was uh, 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 didn't make the cuts. I don't know what the deal is, but one of his hangups is uh, people who sing are to be made fun of that trend or am i off base here Has no you're not been? you're not yeah people that people that that of the arts and people that sing and people that play instruments or whatever need to be destroyed and need to be ridiculed for trying to to do that yeah it just I, i'm trying to think of a singing gimmick that was supposed to be over as a baby face and i can't come up with one it was always for mockery or uh this guy thinks he's good but he's not he's actually terrible or you know you know what i mean it was always right yeah the only one you'd maybe that would be like our truth or whatever coming on rapping or whatever but that okay was- yeah. But, you know, rapping isn't, you know, Vince, Vince loved the rap. We know that. So, uh, you know, I, don't know, no, I have no idea if he didn't, but when they had like Eve dance to our truth's like horrible raps, and they had it go on yes. for like months on that. and nobody liked it. And poor Eve had to go out there and just like dance her ass off. And our truth, our truth had one song in 15 years. <laughs> That's right. No, he switched it up. Remember he, he had the he one did. song that everybody liked and then he switched it for like three weeks and it was like a horrible beat and the rhymes were terrible and everything was terrible. And then they just disappeared and went back to the other one. Right Without back to ever mentioning the other one ever again. It was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, he's the, the pure definition of a one hit wonder with the what's up. Aficionado, uh, you are. Is what's up a quality rap song? No, not really. What about on like a pop rap scale? Uh, like if it were a, uh, you know, yeah, uh, nah, it, the sort of a, the beat's really terrible, and it's just kind of it, the problem is it sounds like a 1993. It, it sounds like something that Men on a Mission would come out to. That's probably when he wrote it. To be right, fair. So I mean, like he is a he's a very old man, but uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it it didn't fit the time period for that hip hop. Like it fit it would have fit easily in like the early nineties, like Run DMC. You know the the sort of not party rap, but sort of like the yeah I don't know the exact term for it, but like it was that kind of song. It was like a very generic beat with like a lot of very obvious like here's where you sing and here's where you do this and throw your hands in the air and like that sort of you know remember that used to be like the big thing or like you know the early LL Cool J stuff whereas like yeah at that time period but like 2006 like people weren't really into like you know modern rap you know Kanye is not out there going like all right now you know wave your hands from side to side woo like that and that's kind of what the R2 thing was so yeah it wasn't quite so thumbs down for what's up yeah yeah sorry thumbs down for what's up sorry okay all right I I think it's catchy what about getting rowdy remember the the K-Quick and uh Road Diggity Dog, uh, K, uh, Getting Rowdy, their theme song. I do. You don't remember that? I do remember no. it. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. The hippest man in the world, Brian James. Yeah. <laughs> For like 10 years. Huh. was the personification of like black culture to that company with Brian James. Yeah. It's the greatest thing. An Armstrong brother of all people. <laughs> Just a fucking Armstrong. It's like, well, oh, the kids love the hip hop and the rap. Give them Brian James. Like, yeah. Yeah, but remember, he was the legitimate country singer, you know, behind right. the curtain. Uh-huh. Yeah, but all of a sudden, he just transitioned. Uh, so I don't know. He's pretty versatile. But uh, yeah, I guess that's the only example of a of a singer who wasn't ridiculed. Yeah, I'm really it. trying to think. I'm I'm trying to like really rack my brain here. That like a non. It's it's really tough. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else <laughs> to be honest. Maybe somebody on Twitter uh, at Voices Wrestling, if you can think of it. I got our truth, and that's about it. That like a legit person that people you know was was not to be ridiculed as you said vince must think that bad singing is just really funny can you see vince watching like the the uh 
the the early portion of the season of American Idol oh, and just yeah, laughing at the band. Like, like, God damn, he's terrible. Like, look yeah. at that little asshole thinking he's right. <laughs> You know, like, but then he's the kind of person who stops watching once the show gets serious. Right? Yeah, right, right. He, he just wants no to see your ballads, your 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 well done ballads, or your your odes no. to Stevie Wonder. He's got none of that shit. He doesn't care at all. Yeah. He's just... Right, I think he he's he I, he probably is into that. What I also know he's into is vehicles being involved in pro wrestling matches. We were talking about this earlier today, and whether it's forklifts, ambulances, milk trucks, beer trucks, eighteen wheelers, uh, eighteen wheelers, exploding cars, people getting hit by cars, um, Alberto Del Rio coming out in a car, JBL coming out in a car, Eddie Guerrero coming out in a car, uh, Eddie Guerrero stealing cars. Uh, this man, the Mexicals, the Mexicals coming out in lawnmowers. Is what, is that lawnmowers. That's another good one. The Lex Express was someone that uh, Undertaker on his motorcycle. Uh, the Lex Express. This man. Oh, I can't say Lex Express because my Alexa goes off. I remember that now. Alexa, stop. There you go. Sorry, I can't say LEX ever again. So, yeah, you know, you have to say Bliss and not Alexa Bliss. <laughs> I got to turn this thing off. I forget, and then I do the show. Okay, carry on. Sorry. This man loves vehicles involved in his matches, and 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 you brought this up earlier today. They almost never make the match better. They almost never make the angle better, but. There's just something in this man's psyche where he thinks fans want to see or ambulances or insert vehicle here awkwardly backed into an arena very carefully <laughs> as to not destroy the sets uh, to then be used as props in matches. Uh, what is it with this man and vehicles? And do you have any examples of good vehicle usage in this company? Because I have no use for it. I, I never want to see it again. I think it's always very cringe, and I don't think people particularly care about it either. And the ambulance match stip is like the worst stip going. I mean, I hate oh, that, stipulation that matches. Is, oh, though. God, that is the worst. Get somebody over the line and then put them in an ambulance. <laughs> like, you feel like that's like put them on and a stretcher and make them cross a line. Like, this is this blood feud, and we're going to kill each other. Oh, did you pass the line? You did not pass the line. You got to cram them in an ambulance. The match is not over. You have not passed that line, sir. And that you're line never going to. And Rich, and you're never going to believe this, but most of the time, another wrestler is driving the ambulance. And God it's a, damn it. It's a, and it's a trick, and they're driving them off to beat them up. Can you believe it? You, <sighs> I, I know it's shocking. If you, can't, if you can't rely on an ambulance match, what can you rely on? This? They've done that once or twice, though. But what, what are some examples of good usage of vehicles in a WWE? Because I cannot think. Yeah, this will be, this will be quick. Um Basically, a lot of the early Stone Cold stuff, I think, is is probably up there. I mean, obviously, you had the the first big one that I remember with Stone Cold is when he drives his you know pickup truck up to the ring and beats up the uh, the Nation Domination. You know, he body slam, or he does a back body drop, and D'Lo goes through the window. You know, he he stuns Farouk on the roof or whatever. Like that was kind of cool. It was like, all right, cool. It's it's Stone Cold. You know, he pushes the ring down a little bit. Um, then I guess some of the other early like Austin McMahon stuff. You have obviously the beer truck is the famous one where he goes down and and sprays you know the Rock and 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 Vince or whatever with the beer truck you know he fills vince prize corvette with with concrete or whatever you know just it's so kind of fucking around a little bit he runs over uh i always love this he runs over the rocks lincoln continental and that was a big deal in 1998 that you you know you know fuck with my lincoln continental uh, kind of i was like that with the rock like this the coolest guy in the world the coolest badass in the world the rock you know his lincoln continental gets destroyed or whatever um you got kurt angle with the the milk truck you know kind of playing off the stone cold 
beer truck and yep that's about it because then then stone cold stuff got a little wild and you know of course he gets hit by a a car backstage or whatever which is pretty ridiculous then you know a year later he he lifts triple h up on a forklift while he's in a car and, and drops him down a hundred feet and then triple h comes back a week later with you know a shoulder in a sling and in a band-aid over his forehead and that's supposed to be what happens after a hundred you know foot fall and then then it just got absolutely insane like you're saying then then we've really gotten to this new era where um guys just like one of the one of my favorite ones ever is is i think it's it's armageddon tooth thousand i believe it's that the, the hell in the cell match and they, they had built up that every hell in the cell match there was always a big spot like somebody would fall off the top somebody would fall through whatever they unfortunately kind of set that standard or whatever so you have this match where it, it, like there's a bunch of guys i forgot who, who exactly was in it but then they for whatever fucking reason pull up a truck full of wood chips to the side of the hell in a cell because i think patterson and briscoe were going to break the door down why they wanted to break the door down i have no idea and then it ends up that rikishi gets like choke slam into the pile of wood chips or whatever but it's like why is there a truck with wood chips like why in the arena was there a pile of, like a, a truck with wood chips like you're saying the, the weird thing where they slowly bring up the titan shrine so this this truck full of wood chips can back its way into the thing but yeah i mean the bad examples far outweigh the, the positives i mean horrible ones i mean really really terrible ones you, you look at the nwo uh crushing the rock with an 18 wheeler and then you know two weeks later he's shaking hands with him in the middle of the ring like ah you know whatever water under the bridge you try to murder me with a, a, a truck but whatever you know whatever and then uh the bret hart thing they had a really good thing with that bret hart mcmahon you know bret hart comes back he he wants his revenge on mcmahon and then he's going into his car and then another car comes and hits him or whatever and he's back fine and it, you know it doesn't sell anything he limps a little bit and that's it i mean it, it countless examples of that just numerous examples of guys getting hit by cars and it not mattering I and mean, we saw earlier this year what was it uh braun Strowman, you know tossing an ambulance on a roman reigns or whatever and it's just like it, it's the, the far away i mean basically you're good examples as you asked me early stone cold and that's about it and angle with the milk truck there you go the end for, for me as soon as i see a vehicle involved as soon as i see a vehicle driving five miles per hour backing slowly into the arena I, <laughs> it, it takes me out of taking the match seriously um and again th- this might just be grumpy joe not liking fun i don't know and not like in stipulations, I don't know, but I just it, it does nothing well, for me. You can do it every and, so often, but if you do it every three months or if you've done, I mean, it's no, such right. a trope yeah. at this point. At the, you know, yeah. if you really build, if for no, five right. years you never saw it, every ten, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but it's not. It's out um, every time. It's 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 a go to. You know, of the bingo card. But I mean, honestly, I mean, okay. I know you hate when I do this, but it's like sometimes you have to make extreme points to make your point. You know what I mean? And it's like. Uh, um, especially when you're doing, uh, you know, a radio show, but it's like ever like ended the Tanahashi Okada feud with an ambulance match. I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 it's stupid. It's just stupid. There's no other word for it. It takes away from what you're trying to accomplish. You know what I mean? It's like, um, and, and, and for me, um, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's just always so it, I don't even want to say cringe. That's not the right word. It just takes me out of what I'm watching because now we've delved into action movie territory, which is what this main event was really. It delved from, it was a, it was like a fun plunder match. And then it turned into like a really bad B movie, a really bad B action movie. Uh, you know, that a straight to video movie, uh, you know, starring Dolph Lundgren is what it basically morphed into with the monster among men getting uh, crushed under chairs and uh, getting attacked by the A-lister 
and 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 his band of thugs, uh, you know, and the hounds of justice, uh, you know, fighting on the side, uh, you know, of, uh, against evil. And it's, it's like, it's like, and 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 then the, the garbage truck thing with the with the wacky zany sound effects of bronze bones crunching, <laughs> and. And and it's like and they didn't have the enough. Backup, I love the backup noises too. Like no garbage truck is that loud when it backs up. Like it's like bah, bah. it's like it just they, they make a little noise. Like they do, but it's not like that profound. But Vince fucking loves and that it, noise. That noise always comes up. Big truck equals that loud noise, and they back up. And yes, I understand people are gonna say they make noise. I understand they make noise, but it's like deafening in the arena yeah. when that fucking garbage truck is backing up. And and they and 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 the zany sound effects they played when it closed on Braun, they didn't have a long enough sound like 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 a sound queued up, so they had to loop it. So you had the same sounds over and over playing on a loop. Bones of, crunching. Of Braun's bones crunching. And uh, you know, and, and like you know, are we supposed to think he's dead? I mean, it's like Braun's new gimmick is like Jason Voorhees. You know, it's like Kane crushes him under the chairs and he and they, they dramatically show his hand rising from the you know what I mean? And now he's getting crushed in the back of a garbage truck and he'll dramatically return. Uh, Roman Reigns like dumped the ambulance over and 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 and, and Braun refused medical treatment and, and, and climbed out of the ambulance. And it's like that's the kind of stuff that just takes me out of it, man. It's just not for me. I It's like I did Omakase with John and John made a great point. It's like. I just want to see people wrestle and I want to see somebody win and I want to see somebody lose. You know, I don't need garbage trucks. You know, I don't, I don't need Vince McMahon and his, um, you know, his, his, you know, living out his lifelong dream to make shitty movies, you know, and it's like, and that's what he wants to do, you know, for all those, you know, there's that famous SI quote where he struggled for years and years trying to figure out how to take wrestling out of the name of his company, but could never figure it out. And then, you know, there, there's that famous story from 10 or 15, well, maybe infamous story from 10 or 15 years ago where he sat in a room with the writers and, 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 and briefly brainstormed how to present his product without matches. You know, he doesn't want to be a wrestling promoter. You know, he wants to make action movies. He wants to make some uh, strange, spandex clad form of entertainment that doesn't have a name like he that's what he wants to do he doesn't he, he his heart is not a, a, a in wrestling he doesn't he doesn't even like the word this is a man who doesn't even like the word wrestling you know but he, he, there's no other way he hasn't been able to figure out another way to tell his stories other than in a ring and it's just um you know and matches like this they just this delves so far into the ridiculous that I went from enjoying it as a plunder bra style match to, okay, this is an overbooked mess to, okay, this is now fun bad. And by the end of it, I didn't even dislike it anymore. I just thought it was fun bad. I think it, I thought it was just a, a crazy wild riot and I had fun laughing at it. The problem is that was not the desired reaction that they were looking for. They wanted you to take all this seriously and worry about whether Braun Strowman was dead and, uh, you know, worry about whether the hounds of justice could prevail, even though Kurt Angle did a stretcher job, even though the entire world knew he was going to return because they over. And that's the point you want to make. It was like a, 
a checklist of WWE tropes in this. They were all there. Every single one of them was there. And it, th- this is like one of my least favorite matches ever. I fucking hated this thing. Like I, I never got to the fun bad level you did. I just got to like the infuriated level the entire time. I just just hated it. And the, the reason I hated it is because it it, it could have been a really important. It could have been a really good match. But it started off with, of course, the the trope of the you know the heels have the advantage on the babyface. They have a five on three advantage. Check mark there. It had Kurt Angle getting knocked the numbers out. game. Right, so you have the numbers game and the, the faces are at a disadvantage. How will they overcome the odds? Check mark. Then you have Kurt Angle getting taken through a, a, a you know a table, and then you you get the somber voices of oh my god, he's he's really hurt, guys. Oh my god, like you know that we we say you know it used to be the Owen Hart voice, but that's been so overdone now. It's like I feel horrible attributing it to like a real life tragedy because they do it every fucking month now. The the quote Owen Hart voice, the oh my god, oh no, oh oh, oh geez, what is going on here? Like like I hate that. It, it's you know save it for don't do it at all. Really, I mean th- there's a way to sort of enunciate, but uh, whatever. So you get that check mark, knock that off. You get um, guys getting thrown through the railing. Yes, of course. The 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 uh, yeah the guardrail guy getting you know getting speared or taken through the guardrail. You had the announce table, somebody taking a dive through the announce table, the announce table breaking. That's a check mark there. You have the vehicle as you mentioned. There's the check mark there. Uh, you had the baby face prevailing. That's a check mark there. You had just the insane amount. And like I I know that they have nicknames and I know that, but there was just a point in this match where and you were kind of alluding to it a little bit earlier where I just went fucking nuts. Like it was it was the Miz tossing. It was the Miz and Braun Strowman tossing, I think, Dean Ambrose to the video board. And they went, the A-lister and the monster among men toss, uh, you know, the lunatic fringe into the video board. And I'm just like, fuck, what are we, what, what is this? This is not yeah. a universe. What is this universe? Like, what are we and How doing? can the hounds of justice prevail here? I was like, in, in one moment. With, said, without the Olympic gold medalist. How will the, <laughs> the Olympic gold medalist, the lunatic yeah. fringe. Against, you know, with the Hounds of Justice, against the A-lister, the bar, the monster among men, and the big red monster. You know what I mean? Or, like, the man among... Whatever. I was like, fuck it. It, it, Oh, my God. I just couldn't take it at a certain point. And I just lost my shit. It was just, like, this match that I just absolutely hated. And and one of the things that it's kind of lost in all this discussion that we're having is, by the way, Kurt Angle returned after, like, a really long layoff. And it should have been a big deal, and it wasn't. It was just Kurt Angle there for the ride. And, like, I had people, again, (laughs) the same thing where... You know, Kurt Angle comes out to the Shield music and comes out to that, and I was kind of disappointed by that. I was like, ah, man, like that's the big comeback for for Kurt Angle. Why would you not have that big pop, that big moment that you wanted to have or whatever? And people are saying, well, it's not a big deal. It's just a singles match. It's not a big deal. It's just him taking over or whatever. Well, it's not a big deal. Why don't you save Kurt Angle returning? For a big deal, right? right? You can right. you can make it a big deal. Again, you don't have to have Kurt Angle. You don't have to say, "Hey, guy that failed numerous, you know, wellness <laughs> tests and and guy that we wouldn't clear for years." Are you ready to go on two days' notice? Of course you are. Let's go. Like you are our only choice. Like you have other choices if you really want to. But whatever. Regardless, but then you build it up for that big, you know, pop, you know, midway through the match. But nobody really popped that much because they knew he was coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, your argument, you your argument off, was goes here. We go. Here comes the Olympic music when yeah. it comes back, and it lost that big pop. Whereas people were building up, okay, there's Dean, there's Seth. All right, here we go, Kurt. And it's just like Dad Kurt walks behind them in his sleeveless little you know shield gear, and it's like, oh, oh, he's just there. Okay, all right. Yeah, whatever. your point was they they should have played his music and made a big deal out of it. Right. Oh my and God! After like, ten years, it's Kurt Angle again. Like you know. Yeah, I get the crowd pumped up. People are saying, well, no, they could do it later for a WrestleMania match, but then they do it. 15 minutes later when he returns from, and then it's flat. It's completely flat. No pyro, uh, no, you know, uh, no crowd, you know, uh, saying you suck in between the beats, you know, uh, it, 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 it's like, because everyone knew he's coming back and the match had already gone off the rails. Now 
to be fair, everybody worked hard here. Guys took a lot of dangerous bumps. I, I don't want to take away from the effort of the people involved. No, full effort of everybody involved. No, no doubt. Everybody worked hard. Uh, every single person in the match. Even and Kurt Angle did some very dangerous things for a man who has plenty of physical ailments and hasn't wrestled in a long – well, he's wrestled recently. Um, but not in months and months. I mean, he hasn't wrestled since what? Probably the spring? I mean, yeah, he did some what culture um, shots and whatnot. So I think that, I mean, was that his last ones or what? what, and, what and, he, and he didn't look particularly healthy recently when he was getting in the ring. No. Uh, you know, so give him a lot of credit. He went out there and worked hard. But the match was just an overbooked mess. And it's just another example of, uh, you know, the guy in charge, he doesn't want to do wrestling. He wants to do shit like this. And uh, he probably thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, no, I'm sure there are people, and I'm sure there are people listening now that, that enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, that's fine. But I can safely say it was one of my least favorite matches ever because I don't, I fucking hate action movies. Action movies bore me to fucking tears. I, I you couldn't pay me to watch any uh, any recent modern Marvel movie or whatever. I've tried every single, I try every one for like five minutes, and there's like seven thousand explosions, and I just turn it off. I'm like, I don't care, I don't give a shit. That stuff never, never ever appealed to me. Action I'm movies, the, I'm the same. Ever. I'm the same. I will watch yeah, your, your random art house movie with one camera. I'll watch. As you were talking yeah. about with John and Russell McCasey. I'll watch a rom-com i'll watch a dumb comedy i'll watch anything over an action movie the second yeah. you tell me oh my god it's non-stop action like transformers you fucking you couldn't pay me a hundred dollars to sit and watch a transformers movie i'm with you man those movies stink i, I mean, watched I, like five I, minutes of one once and i was like this looks like the worst thing ever and i that's I, what i, I do you know I I, yeah. I I flip through hbo and i'll catch a couple minutes of it and and it's just it's just like, a lot oh, of the, great, the great pyramids explode yeah. the eiffel tower is on fire you know, then i'm like i don't give a shit this does nothing for me i don't so yeah, if yeah, you yeah. love that if you love your popcorny you know as you said the Dolph Lundgren B action movie then you might love this I didn't I like pro wrestling so to me this did nothing for me yeah I fucking yeah, hated I, it so I yeah I mean you know I, I didn't hate it I I thought it was is I thought it was fun but in all the wrong ways and all of the ways I wasn't supposed to enjoy it I, I was like you know what this is so utterly ridiculous that I'm getting some perverse entertainment out of it um and Joe you'll never believe the uh the, the baby faces despite being at a, at a disadvantage they ended up winning that's amazing. That's ama- amazing. I don't know how they, they did. It. Well, the heels couldn't coexist, Joe, because they're always, oh, you know, they're always feuding and fighting. And I know. So so the heels actually did themselves a disservice and in, in doing so allowed the faces to then overcome the odds. So it's well, hold on a second. Remarkable. Rich. I need <laughs> you to these walk stories. I, I, these I, moments, Joe. Oh my God. I need you to explain something to me. These heels had banded together for like six days to take out the shield. I thought they were a formidable, tight-knit group. They'd been together for like a week. They were all standing right before the match. They're all standing, you know, facing one direction (laughs) in unity. So I don't understand, yeah. With The Miz telling them that this is our moment. This is our time. This was a week-long quest to take apart the Hounds of Justice. The alliance to end the Hounds of Justice. And it just... Long anticipated. That's the other thing. Why did a match that had like a six-day build require such a crazy stipulation? You know, the whole thing was just a mess. Yeah, I, I don't want to get cornetty with that because I did, I did a little bit last week. But yeah, I, did, I, I always kind of found it weird that they weren't like climbing for anything and there was no real reason for it. And I know it's like, well, that's what the theme pay-per-view is. And again, I know, but you don't have to do that. Like, no, what you had was five heels who weren't aligned in any way trying to dismantle a faction that really for only some reason yeah. one of them had a problem with, but only had a problem with them for like a week. And where was the heat here? They didn't build any heat for this thing. You know, why should I be emotionally invested in this? And it's like, this was a layup. It was the shield return. You could have put them against three guys and just had a 12 minute match where they kicked ass. And 
I know Roman wasn't here because of this, but you get the idea. You didn't have to do all this convoluted bullshit with garbage trucks and it's just, I don't know. Well, hey, it just, the good thing is Kane looked like a million bucks, and I think that's really all. When that, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you know what? You're right. Isn't that crazy? The end <laughs> result of all of this is Kane gets put over more than anybody. Kane! Yeah. Glenn Jacobs, who's running for public office, too, by the way. And all your all your stars are tweeting about it and retweeting their you know pictures with Glenn Jacobs, who's running, but, you know. So, overall, you can't call this a good show. Um, I think you can call it an okay show. Um, there was some stuff here that I liked, and there, you know, there were, I get some stuff. There were two matches here that I liked, and a third that was okay. Um, some other average stuff, and then an abomination of a main event. Is that fair? I mean, oh, that's fair. an yeah, okay yeah. show. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't say it was a bad show because I really, really liked the Balor um, Styles, and I really liked the Bliss James, and and everything else before that was was fine. It was okay. I mean, yeah. yeah, the Oscar Emma in a vacuum. Oscar Emma was a good match. I didn't you know mind Oscar Emma at all. It was good. Brought, I'm glad you brought that up because we should say that it was a good match. Yeah, I loved it. But at the end of the day, the situation didn't call for a good match. Right, problem. exactly. I don't want a good match. My my goal in my bullet point in my run sheet is not have a good match. Like my goal is Oscar over exclamation point exclamation. You know what I mean? Like make yeah in, in a vacuum, very good match and 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 solid. But that's not what I want. Right. That's not the intention. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. And should not well, have been the intention if it was. Whereas the, I thought the Raw match stunk between those two. I thought Emma's performance was no. Bad. That one was actually bad. In that match. Yeah, that was not a good match. Um, okay, so uh, that's your uh, that's your TLC. That's <laughs> your uh, that's your left eye chili and uh, T Boz review. Uh, I don't know why I said them in reverse order, um, but uh, that's your TLC review. So it is a sponsor free week. We are doing this for free uh, from time to time. We will do a sponsor free show, so you don't have to uh, sit through a. 122nd ad. So, Rich, we're going to go right to the New Japan and the Road to Power Struggle Cork and Hall show from the 23rd of October. We don't always review these Cork and Hall shows. This one was a bit newsworthy. Two of the first junior tag tournament took place, and uh, there were some other noteworthy things to occur. I will blow through the undercard quickly. Did you watch the whole show or just? I the did. Two, I watched the whole uh, show. No, I watched it from beginning to end because at first I thought I had to review it, and then JoJo was like, "No, I'm halfway through a review," and I was like, "Ah, I'm already halfway through it anyway." And, and I'm glad I did watch the whole thing because this is a really good show. It was a fun show. It was a real fun show. Easy, um, easy watch too. Some of these road two shows can be a drag. This one was not. This was two and a half clean hours yes. of, of good wrestling up up and down the cards. So. Even less if you cut out the intermission. So right. you know you, you can really blow through it. Leo Tonga and Yujiro defeat Shota Umino and Tomoyuki Oka. The two young boys lose here. Neat and tidy opener. Not much to say here. Uh, you don't have much to add, do you? Um, no, I got nothing. Got nothing for this one. You know, you know, Yujiro was Yujiro, Leo Tonga. Uh, you know, um, kind of skipping the Young Lion thing, kind of taking that Cody Hall role, right? As like the Bullet Club young boy. So uh, they beat the two young boys here. Eight-man tag, El Desperado, Taichi, Taka Mishinoku, and Yoshinobu Kanemoro, the Suzuki Gun Juniors, defeat ACH, Jushin Liger, Reisuke Taguchi, and Tiger Mask. The idea here being these are the two 
remaining first round matches in the junior tag tournament in an eight man tag form. And the Suzuki gun side wins. I thought this match fucking ruled. I yeah, wasn't expecting. They you agree? Nuts. Yeah. Oh no. They, they went bell and they just fucking went the entire eight minutes. I mean, it was, it was just a maddening eight minutes and I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought it was again, like you're, you're saying that we're in the junior tournament. We all kind of hate each other. We all want to prove that we're the better teams or whatever. And it was just everybody showing off and, and, and trying to prove that they were the better team. And it was, it's a simple, simple story, but yeah, they were all worked their ass off here in eight minutes. And they did a post-match beatdown on the baby faces. Yeah. They didn't just win the match. They beat them down after the match. So um, two things I want to touch on. Number one, I think Taichi's having a hell of a year. Um, all of his work, all told, his tag work with with, uh, with Taka, his stuff outside the company with Taka, and uh, his singles match in All Japan. I mean, he's doing some things in some other places. And his stuff – look, I'm not saying he's a, a wrestler of the year contender, but I think especially by Taiichi's standards, I think he's having a heck of a year. I got, he's really having one of the better years he's had in recent – because the last few years have been terrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm not actively groaning when I see him come out, which I did for, for a few years. Particularly last year, I was like, all right, I'm done with you. If you never come back, I, I, I will never care. Like, you know what I mean? If I never see you again, that'll be – be perfect but no he's he's back in like where where yeah it's like not like i'm like oh great taichi's coming out but it's like all right cool let's, let's see what he does here and 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 he's putting in good efforts because that was always an issue with taichi too people always think yeah. that we just you know pick on taichi or we hate him there because was a time the where shit. like there yeah and it's not just the shit there were times where he was like actively like we could tell he wasn't trying he was just right. you know b- being lazy and we're like come on man like it, it, we're effort here we're, we're all about effort and taichi many many times was not an effort guy and he's, he's kind of re rekindled that a little bit Right. I mean, you're still getting some shtick with him, but the effort, the effort level has definitely uh, this year. And he's had some really good matches this year. I mean, this is a guy, you know, where I look at my, at my sheets where, you know, where I take my notes and put down notable matches and there've been years where he's had zero and this year he's had several. I mean, so I just wanted to make note of that. ACH essentially taking the spot of Ricochet on the roster. He's Taguchi's tag team partner in this tournament. He's teaming with Taguchi all through this tour. Um, I think this is a good spot for ACH. And the thing about it is they never really pushed Ricochet to their fullest potential that they could. Ricochet never got pushed to the level of his talent is, I guess, the point I'm trying to make because he was never a New Japan contracted guy. He's the kind of dude who would win secondary titles like the trios titles or the junior tag titles and would occasionally lose a junior title match challenge, right? He would never kind of get past that level. He would never win uh, a best of the super juniors. He would never win the singles title, but he'd win secondary titles and be a guy to have fun matches on the card because he wasn't a signed uh, commodity. I think ACH is the kind of guy who can slip right into that role. I think Ricochet is a better wrestler than ACH. I think Ricochet is more charismatic than ACH. I think Ricochet is a better commodity to have than ACH. But considering how they used Ricochet, I think ACH can slip right into that role. Does that make sense? No, I get it. Yeah, because 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 that's probably the ceiling for ACH in, in New Japan. Is this we we assume that there was a bigger ceiling for Ricochet, but they they didn't. We we know that there is a bigger ceiling. We know that he can do more. They don't. Whatever. But ACH, I think it's a nice solid role for him because I don't see ACH as you know a, a future never open weight champion. I don't see him as a main event. You know, or even a junior, or whatever. Or even a junior ace. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where, where Ricochet could have been that. Where, but yes. but I like this in ACH and, and ACH has a little bit. The reason I like it too is is. With Taguchi, I think it's a nice little pairing as well because Taguchi, I did like the straight man of Ricochet to the kind of goofy uh, of Taguchi, but ACH can kind of play that same goofy with Taguchi. And it, it can kind of then be a real fun team, but then they get down to business. When the actual bell rings, those guys are going to go and work or whatever. You got a similar vibe with Ricochet, but I think it's it, it's got a little bit extra w- w- with ACH. But I, I like both those teams and I'm fine with it. And I, I think ACH replacing 
uh, ricochet on the roster is fine. I, I think that that team and 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 the ju- junior tags and the junior division or whatever is not going to miss a thing w- w- without ricochet. Not again, not saying that ricochet isn't great because he is, but the way they were using him, they're not going to miss him in the same sense that you know, in a yeah. vacuum, yes, you would miss ricochet because he's incredible talent. But they, for whatever reason, just didn't didn't quite see it, or as well, you said, he didn't sign a contract. So it's like, well, what are we going to do? Yeah, you know, like we don't know what you're going to do, and we don't know when you're going to leave, and we don't know if you're ever going to go anywhere. And obviously, you're, you're tied up with Lucha Underground, so it all made sense why they didn't go that next level with Ricochet. And it's, it's kind of disappointing this is how it ended, but you know, I think they found a very suitable replacement in ACH. I think they did everything they could with a guy who wasn't under contract because it, it, you know it's not like they completely wasted him no I he mean, had a hell of a run i mean geez i mean i mean in he, reality he was always pushed harder than osprey until very very recently right and, and the sidel team was was really going to go places too until you know sidel took uh, a yes. long vacation in hawaii yep he kind of got real screwed there <laughs> um but yeah i think ach could slip right into this role uh we had hiroki goto who has now slid so far down the booking pecking order that he's just kind of toro yano's tag partner like the <laughs> other guy good team. yes and uh, they beat Suzuki and Azuka. Goto did score the fall. To to be fair, he did pin Takashi Azuka, uh, but this was just to put heat on the Yano Suzuki never open weight title match coming up at Power Struggle. As Hiroki Goto continues to just float around and meander around the cards, doing nothing of significance, which is disappointing to me because I love Hiroki Goto. I think he's great. I just have nothing for him. And I've seen people talking, and this was probably my least favorite match on the card as well um, on this show. But, I mean, I, I think Goto, I mean, the, the chaos thing, I, I mean, he really needs a fresh coat of paint. Um, you know, whether it's another unit, whether it's forming his own unit. I yeah. think the best thing Boom, for him. Right there. The second one is exactly what I would do. Yeah, the best thing for him would be the leader of his own unit. Yep, kind of you know? rallies together some other lesser guys and other units and goes, hey, look, we're, we're all sick of being, you know, fodder Second for these other yeah exactly it's perfect it, that's how i would do it and and, and it would you know, play into his story as well yeah exactly well. you know you know fuck this yeah i'm sick of being the you know always being shit on or whatever nobody kind of laughs at my humor and laughs that i sign up with chaos but no enough of this shit and and it's sorely needed too because the, the units need a huge shake up in new japan it, it's we're on you know four or five years with some of these same units and and it seems like no matter what a guy comes in and it's like where are they going to fit into these same units it's just it's uninvented it, 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 it's really uninventive right now and and i it really Really, whether it's yeah a new unit forming, whether it's guys leaving a unit, whether it's a, a you know guys succeed is seceding from a unit, uh, something, anything to get these units to shake up a little bit because it's just it's been the it's same just, thing it, now it, forever. I don't mind the units that they have, the existing units. The problem is most of them are getting bloated. That's the problem. Uh, a lot of them have a million members. And what's that mean? Anytime a new guy comes in, they just immediately yeah. form into a union and or form into the unit, and it's just like, okay, well, Zack Sabres and Suzuki. Okay, this guy's it, and it's just like, okay, like you know, <laughs> they don't need twenty guys. Like, it, yeah, it, it, it could really. Yeah, Lij is perfect. They got five guys. Right. Yeah, they've protected that, and it's been good. But yeah, like Chaos is, is super bloated. Suzuki well, Gun is Chaos, Chaos has like six juniors. Yeah, well, Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki has four juniors. Chaos is is, is two. Yeah, it's just, it's it's too it's, much. And, and it's um, you know, and 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 it's like um, some of these units. Um, what was I gonna say? I forgot the point I was gonna make. But anyway, oh, like Bullet Club is so bloated. There's like subunits within the unit. You know, there's the elite, and then there's like, you know, Tamatanga's crew of guys, his brothers and whatnot, and they don't like the elite. It's like now the units are so big that there's units within the units. I mean, it's just crazy. So you can take guys who aren't great fits for their units and form their own unit. You can build a unit around Hiroki Goto and Zack Sabre Jr. as the two top guys, and then just fill them in with pin eaters. You know what I mean? David Finley, what's he doing? Stick him in a unit. 
you know, and he could be Goto or Zack Sabre Jr.'s pin eater and the junior of, of whatever unit that, you know what I mean? There, there's bodies there that you can do things with. You could easily move Yujiro out of the Bullet Club at this point. You know, there's like, there, you know, we, I just did it in five minutes. You know, you could have Hiroki Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., David Finley, and Yujiro as the basis of a unit. And then maybe mix in another junior or two. You just pick up the scraps from some of these other units, just these extra bodies that are floating around. Um, you know, and, and, and you can do something there, but, uh, I think that'd be the best thing for Goto, but this is delving into fantasy booking territory. I don't think they're going to do that, but you never know. I mean, post wrestle kingdom, look at it this way. We all know NATO's winning. So you have to give Okada something to do post wrestle kingdom. Is that the point in time where you finally, uh, maybe continue this Goto story and have him get fed up and break away from chaos. And that's how you occupy Okada's time for the majority of 2018 feuding with Hiroki Goto and his new band of goons. I mean, is that something you can do or are we working ourselves into a shoot? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you can, I don't know if they're going to, but yeah, it, it, it seems. And that's a big thing too, as we talk about for, for a long time as well, is that it's just kind of been the same people fighting each other for, for years now and it's fine and it's entertaining and it's, it, it's good or whatever, but it's really, yeah, it'd be nice to just see like Okada kind of break off and, or, or, or you know, or like you're saying, Goto break off and Okada have to kind of find his allies. And then, then he's fighting some of his old chaos guys. Cause we've seen now for four or five, years just the same people fighting each other and yeah there, there are some new units that come in there's some fun stuff that kind of comes in lij was it was a nice revelation or whatever new people join and new people kind of debut or whatever but for the most part it's kind of been the same grouping of people fighting the same grouping of people for for years and years now and it'd really be a great yeah it really like pump up that post wrestle kingdom era or the post wrestle kingdom time if you can kind of figure out some new ways to get guys in inventive things and especially to get guys away from titles like you're saying get okada you know naito wins and what does okada do other than just fight naito again he can then sort of deal with some of the infighting going on in his old unit or what like you're saying yeah i, I think it's perfect and i think they should do it i, I don't know if they're going to though but it, it's it's way overdue it's it, and i'm not saying everybody has to go at it doesn't have to be a dragging thing where you blow the whole thing up and everybody has to go different ways. But little by little, you can start breaking guys off. You can have one – like really what we're saying is one unit can really freshen a lot of things up. Just a different unit led by a different person. That guy then gets elevated because he's the leader of that unit. And all those guys then kind of come to the muck and they kind of come then. And then they can fight all these different older units, but it's all different new matchups that we haven't seen before. I mean it's almost perfect right now. You have Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., and the knife guy. Right, you just have to trim the fat. I mean, that's all it is. You just no, got to trim I, the fat from the different units. And and, and people are going to say, well, it's just a, a team of jobber. Or it's just a team of mid-carters. But again, you elevate that guy immediately by saying, Goto is our leader. Goto gets a few big wins, feels a little confident in himself. There you go. You got a guy now. You can easily push Goto and Zack Sabre Jr. And the knife guy is obviously going to be a big deal. I mean, you know, so it, it, you, so who knows what they're going to do with him. It's not just going to be a big deal. He's going to be the big guy, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but I mean, so, but instead they'll probably just throw that dude in chaos or something, you know, and just another bloated. My problem with the units is they're bloated. That's my only issue. I kind of like the unit set up. I kind of like that. I don't mind any of that. My problem is now they're just all getting way too bloated. Uh, David Finley, Juice Robinson, and Kota Bushi defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi, Katsuya Kitamura, and Togi Makabe. I know people are going to think I'm doing shtick, but I forgot Togi Makabe was in this match. I really did. He was just such a non-entity. I know this is our running thing that we do, but he he hit again. He was just so gone. seriously. I didn't see him in one time. I don't think he was in this match. If you asked me who was in this match, I would have named the other five and forgot about him. I mean, no, I, I watched and I it was over, and then I kind of saw him briefly, but that was about it. Yeah, it was it smartest was smartest man in wrestling. But what what was notable here? 
is that this match was built around Katsuya Kitamura. Ah, okay. That's what I was going to... Go ahead, go. To the point that the crowd was chanting his name by the end of the match. And um, I'm going to make one more point and hand this off to you. I remember about a month ago, Dave Meltzer um, said that... uh, He he put out a tweet that really made a lot of people mad. He He said that Braun Strowman was Katsuya Kitamura with a push. Meaning... They're both like at the same level of their career. They both need some polish. But in reality, the only difference between the two is one is being pushed and the other is not. And he took a lot of heat for that at the time. And it even took me back a little. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? He's right. He is right about that. But now I don't think he's right. I think that's insulting to Kitamura. And I like Braun. I like Braun. But this Kitamura, Rich, the crowd connection already. And the guy's a fucking beast. He looks like a million bucks. He's loaded with charisma. Uh, and, and he can move. He's not a big stiff. He's not just a big stiff. He can move. He's starting to connect with the crowd. And he's starting to learn how to work to his physique and his frame and his body and his and his, and his his character. And he's starting to connect. You, you start – Cork and Hall is the tail. You start connecting mm-hmm. with the Cork and Hall fans. And the other fans are going are gonna, to uh, be soon to follow. Okay, you get over with those people, you're going to get over with everybody eventually. This dude is a fucking star. And I know there's people screaming about, forget the excursions, just push guys now. No, I don't want to see that. I don't agree with that. I think they should continue with tradition, send people on learning excursions, uh, make sure they get better, make them pay their dues. If you start having people skip excursions, there's going to be jealousy on the roster. Guys, it's human nature. People are going to go, why the hell did I have to go to Europe and Mexico and fucking Ring of Honor for a year? And this guy just gets a put. You don't want to do that. Do things the right way. There's no hurry. I know this guy's a little older, but there's no hurry. You know, take your time. If you want to send him a little earlier, that's fine. I don't agree with skipping the excursions, but this dude's a fucking star. Yeah, no, and that's that's you kind of said a lot what, what I was going to say. I mean, that dude, he, he, this is a match, and, and he's a guy who's slowly but surely. When he first came in, it was just this stiff, you know, yes. muscular guy, couldn't move, couldn't do anything. And he looked like a guy that's like, yeah, you knew that they were going to get behind him at some point, but that it was probably just never going to happen, or it wasn't just going to work, or he was never going to be the worker, and he was never maybe going to have that same connection because it was gonna, people were going to be able to see through the physique and, and, and the muscles or whatever and just see a guy that can't work. Well, he can work, and he's getting better every single time I see him. And this was a revelation here. Like, I, I, I've always enjoyed him, and I've always thought, ah, this guy's got some stuff here. This match was like the crowd's into him. The other wrestlers in the ring know and can sense that he's a big deal. He could then sense that everybody was in on board with him, and it was just like a million bucks, man. That, that guy, yeah, he was a beast in this entire match and the crowd connection. And I've been seeing a little bit more, too. I don't know exactly what he's saying, and I don't know what the, the posts say, but you're seeing a lot more posts on, on, on Twitter and on Facebook showing this guy off. And I think one of the big things that we talk about a lot with New Japan, and, and it gets lost a little bit, is, is, is they really appeal to the women fan base. And yeah. Kitamura, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy that, you know, I don't, I don't have types or whatever. He's a good-looking dude, though. And, you know, it's got to, you know what I mean? And, like, I've been noticing a lot more. Like, there's a there was a video that they kept posting all week where it was him getting interviewed by people. And he's got, you know, real, you know, he's he's dressed up kind of nice. He's got his hair parted or whatever. Like, we talk about it. He looked like a, you know, looked like a million bucks there. And it's like, you know, that's a thing. Like, we 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 sometimes lose sight of that, that that it is in some ways sort of a cosmetic business or whatever. But he's a guy that's jumping off the page. I mean, you you see him and you can't help but be in some way. You just have to look. It's like, oh, my God, that guy's as big of a fucking house. But again, like the problem is now he's, or the good thing I wanted to say, 
is he's melding the work with it too. Is that now you're seeing that, okay, he can go a little bit. He can throw a big clothesline and the crowd reacts. He, he's he's understanding how to sort of milk every reaction and milk every single thing. And this was this match was a revelation here because that crowd was behind him. There was, look at the names that were in this match and they were rooting for Kitamura. They were cheering for Kitamura. They and, wanted Kitamura to win. They wanted to be there for that moment. They were all on board with this guy. And look and who the, was in this match. And the big key is it was designed that way, which tells yep. you, even with Tanaka and Komatsu, who we knew were going to be great workers, okay? Even with those guys, when did New Japan ever build matches around Young Lions like they're doing for Kitamura and Kawato, like they did later on the show that we're going to talk about? It is different now, I'm telling you. They are, they are, they are treating these Young Lions differently than they ever have before. They're still eating all the pins, but there is a concerted effort now to get these guys over sooner when 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 Tanaka and Komatsu got over, they got over on their own because they were good. Because the fans recognized, wow, these guys are good. And that's why fans got behind them. The company is now making a concerted effort intentionally to get the fans behind these young lions now before they even come back, which 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 tells me that that's a little bit of a shift in tradition and that maybe skipping excursions isn't out of the question. I personally wouldn't do it. I would stick to that and send them away uh, for, for, a, for a variety of different reasons that we can get into on another show some week. But, but I, you know, you can see sort of a shift in how they treat these young lions now. Th- th- this, this is unheard of. When did they ever do this for Hiromu Takahashi? Right, and there might be, like you're saying, there might be a match where Never. during a match with Komatsu, teaming with other guys or whatever, people would chant for Komatsu or whatever. But in the end of the day, he would come in and do his little thing and then get out of there and not be an important part. This match, like you're saying, yeah, yeah, and it evolved was, and it was the, around and it was the fan Exactly. Yes, it was the fans doing it on their right. own. This is by design the crowd, to get the Yeah, they, they made the match designed to be kids more in the ring held off for a sec to say, okay, are you going to react? Are you going to chant for this guy? They started chanting like a million bucks. Then Kitamura goes nuts and it does his stuff and the crowd explodes or whatever. It wasn't just, yeah, Kamatsu tagging in, doing a few moves in the crowd sort of on their own chanting for him. This was a tag in, a big moment. There's Kitamura, now react. And they did. And that's a big test. That was a huge test, especially in that crowd. We talk about it a lot. With Kirk and crowds, they're not dummies. They're not idiots that are just going to chant at whatever the hell you want them to do. They they're, they they want to, they, they will rally behind Smart people crowd that they think have potential or people that they enjoy or whatever. They'll, they'll chant for just about any, I mean, they'll, they're, they're a good crowd. They're going to do what you kind of want them to do in some ways, but they're not going to go nuts like they did for Kitamura unless they believe in them, unless there is yes. a connection there. And there was, and that's a big it's deal. A it's a huge deal. And the other thing is they're, they're allowing these young lions to show personality a lot sooner than they used to in the past. Yeah. Kitamura's flexing and doing so. I mean, that, that would be unheard of six months into your, he's, your, got, the, young he's, lion got, he's got the mouthpiece with the, with like the, with the jagged teeth on it. Yeah. And right. Flexing, right. And he's got that fucking tan. You know what I mean? Like they're allowing him to have a tan and they're allowing Kawato to show personality a lot sooner. Like it used to be these guys were forced to keep their shaved heads for, you know, a well, year the, the hair is a big thing too. Cause he, as I saying, like, you know, he's a nice quaffable dude. And he looks like yeah. a million bucks when he's got the hair all part of the side and whatnot. So yeah, it was like, you know, yeah. yeah, normally he'd be a bald guy. He'd just be a random bald, strong guy, but it, it wasn't. It's just all so much sooner. I mean, I'll go back to Hiromu. He's a guy who never showed personality his entire stay until he left for his excursion. And Tanaka and Komatsu were there for so long. It wasn't towards the very end where they let those guys grow. Remember, we made a big deal of it when they finally let them grow their hair out and show some distinct personalities just with their haircuts. And then they had different haircuts. And we thought that was a big deal. You know, these guys now, they're allowed to go out there and flaunt their personalities. It's, I'm telling you, this is, this is calculated by the company and it's smart. And the other thing about Kitamura is he has one of the best physiques in wrestling and a company where it's unique. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that, that, that it didn't used to be unique what, what Kitamura looks like or whatever, but now I mean it's it, it, it's unlike anything else on that roster, and it's cool. It's a throwback in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a Kensuke Saki type style, you know what I mean? Like it's like one of those guys, and they don't they don't have any of those guys right now, and it might and I think they recognize that 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 that's a really unique chance that they have now to make a, a, a guy that just looks a lot different than anybody else in that roster. He looks like Vince McMahon's wet dream in 1988. Is what he looks no, like. We could not let Vince McMahon see this man. Oh, no, I mean, he'd immediately pick him. No, and Kitamura would get like a $7 million else. contract immediately. We cannot let anybody see Kitamura. You know, and, and, and like you and like you, you know, now he's starting to, the work is starting to match the look. It's, it's, it's terrifying how big this guy could be, and I think they know it. And, he, and, and Kitamura and Kawato have blown right past Oka. They've blown right past Oka. Oh, yeah, Oka and doesn't have, look, have that certain charisma. He's, he's a guy, he's fine, he's, he's all, but it's just like you see that guy, and it's just like a guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with the shaved head, he looks like a 40-year-old man because he just it's the way his head is shaped and the way his hairline is. He can wrestle. He's got a lot of nice suplexes, and it's very clear he has a really good base, and I still believe in him. But these other guys have blown right past him. And, you know, it has to be said. We got to be fair. Uh, next matchup was the LIJ six-man tag. Evil Sonata and Naito defeat Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi. My takeaway here, they're kind of doing a – Naito's doing like a keep-away gimmick from Okada where they're not going to touch each other for a while, build anticipation for the Dome. That's the right thing to do. It's smart. I got no problem with it. And then uh, Yoshihashi and Sonata seem to rekindling their feud a little bit here in this match. I hope that carries over. And because that was a feud that they kind of just dropped in the middle and they didn't really complete it, the Yoshihashi Sonata thing. I think they have really good chemistry. I think they bring out the best in each other. You know, you never know who's going to have good chemistry together. Those two guys, to me, have good chemistry together. Yeah, and it, 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 it buys your time for a little bit until you're ready for, for some other guys. But, yeah, I don't think Sonata – and we've, we've said they're, they're kind of holding off on Sonata. So it's a good little you know, you know, transitional period for Sonata. Let him, let him do some stuff until you're ready to go whenever you are ready to go or whatever, which I, I, you know, I don't think is going to be that much longer. I mean, we, we, you know, a lot of people freak out over the Wrestle Kingdom poster and, and who's matched up with who or whatever. I don't necessarily look at who's next to whoever on the, the poster that came out this week, but I do look at who's on there. And Sonata being on there I thought was a pretty big deal. Because that's being released and that's being sent to places or whatever. With him being on there, I think that's a, I think that's a big deal. And and I don't know if it means that immediately Russell Kingdom is going to have a great match or that you know or a big time match or that you know at the beginning of the next year they're going to get going with him. But I think again it shows that slow ascent that, that that he's he's getting there. And yeah, I think the Yoshiash is a great you know gets in between some of the points here. And then they have good chemistry and they have great matches together too. So I'm all on board with that. Yeah, I'm not worried about Sonata. I mean, it's like I told you a year ago. He's going to be the guy that everybody gets impatient about. When are they going to push Sonata? When are they going to push Sonata? Put, they're going to push Sonata. He needs to sign a contract, and they're going to push the man. Don't worry about Sonata. It's just not going to happen as soon as people would like it to happen. You know this company is super patient, and that's a the guy they're going to be super patient on. But I have no doubt they're going to push him at some point. Um, I always hear Mark 2018. Now I think I'm probably wrong. I think it's probably going to be 2000. I mean, was it 2019? I think I said 2019. I'm going to say that I said 2019 just because it's going to sound smarter because I don't think they're going to do it this year. Uh, the two junior tag team tournament matches. Now, these are the two matches that everybody's talking about. First up was the new tag team champions, Rapongi 3K. They beat Harai Kawato and Kushida. Point number one before we start fawning over Harai Kawato is you would think that a man with the cachet of Kushida, a former multi-time Junior heavyweight champion, a former multi-time IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champion could get a better partner than a young lion in kayfabe. What is up <laughs> with that? Why wouldn't someone want to team with Kushida? You'd think he'd have his pick of the locker room 
right? Yeah, well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe because she was like, we always talked about that with Tanahashi for all those years with Captain New Japan, where it was just like, maybe it's just a nice guy. And this is like, eh. You know, I, I, I saw Kushida team with, with Cheeseburger at Ring of Honor. Why is he team with Cheeseburger? He shouldn't be. But I think Kushida's just a know. nice guy. It helps, helps out his buddy. I'm Kushida, I'm like, hit the bricks, Kawato. ACH, you want to team with me? <laughs> but he's a nice hey, guy. No, Kushida's Gucci, a nice boy, though. I say Taguchi, I'm on your, I'm on Taguchi Japan. You, you, you need a partner. Come on, you know what's he teaming with Kawato for? You know, Kawato should be teaming with Umino or something. No, he's got sympathy. He wants to, he wants to rally the young lion and get him, get him going. You know what else he has? A first round exit. That's oh. what he's got. Because Kawato can't hang, and they lose to Rapongi 3K. And uh, you know, I, I, what I'm surprised, Rich, in all seriousness, I'm seeing some mixed reviews for Rapongi 3K. I don't get it. I think they're fucking great. I think the gimmick's great. I think obviously the work is great. I think um, it's only been two matches. I mean, they're only going to get better. They're only going to gel. I think Rocky Romero is a tremendous manager. I don't know if you stuck around for the post-match promo. When he's dancing on the the tables and stuff. Yeah. I mean, after the main event. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when when Bushi and Hiromu, after they won, Rapongi 3K came out to to go nose-to-nose with them because that's the main event of the next Corican. And um and and Rocky cut the promo. He cut a tremendous promo. He's obviously doing the talking for these two young guys right now. He's found himself a nice little role. He's obviously office. Okay, he had a chance to sign with WWE uh, during the uh, the Exodus, and he chose to resign with New Japan. He's one of the guys that signed a two year deal. He uh, I think I think it was an offer for a um a um. A performance center gig, wasn't it? I don't think it was as a wrestler. No, yeah, it was. It was definitely being a trainer or a teacher or whatever. It, it, and he it, turned it, that yeah. down. He, yeah, and he kept the New Japan job. He's going to run the LA Dojo, from what we understand. He's obviously uh, office at this point and a liaison between the you know the the Gaijins and the and the office. Uh, he's now a manager. He's kind of slipped into a manager slash part time wrestler role, kind of like Gato. It's kind of his role now, right? I mean, essentially, he's kind of you know in, in, a, in a Gato role in terms of uh, you know manager wrestler a little bit of both and um you know i think he's got a nice you know cushy spot here in this company and ultimately probably ended up making a pretty cool decision uh for himself i mean the the fans there accept him as sort of a native even though he's an american because he's been with the company since his young boy days uh so good for him i think he's a good manager i think the rapongi 3k act is tremendous um i'm into it I think um, uh, Sho Tanaka has been the better half of the team, or has at least shown me more. Uh, I thought when they left on excursion, Komatsu was maybe a hair ahead of him. I think that's what I would – I always said he was like a hair ahead, but they were super close. But I always thought Tanaka had the better look. And uh, I think Sho Tanaka – and this is very early. We've only seen two matches. I think he's the one who's showing the the breakout star potential of the two uh, for sure. And uh, I'm all in. I'm into the act. Are you someone who's kind of iffy on the act, or are you into him like I am? Uh, I enjoy it. I'm fine with the act. I, I think uh, well, our reviewer, Jojo Remy, who was there live, um, a lot of his reports were, were that the crowd or the people that he was talking to were kind of iffy on, on them, where they, they didn't quite know how to react to them. And you, you could tell that a little bit. The corking didn't explode for them. It was just kind of like a you know a polite clap when, when those guys came out or whatever. I think they have a hell of a match. And, and for me, I, I can get over a little bit of the pants are a little weird, maybe. Maybe the diet. Like, I don't know if they quite really know what they are just yet. But party boys. In time. Party boys. Is the right. And that's going to come in time. I think we're going to be, a, to me, like a two matches I don't know is, is quite enough for me to really 
understand again you know <laughs> they debut and they win the iwgp you know junior heavyweight titles but you know that, that's besides the point is they have you know a great debut and a great match and they you know win the titles and defeat a established team in the first thing and immediately you know it's showing that they're important you know right off the bat but you know that's beside the point but you know they're going to form into that, that that gimmick a little bit more as as time goes on so for me like the work is fine the work is good romero i like him as a manager the fans obviously enjoy him as well there's a connection there so so i'm willing to accept that the fans might take a little while to really get them or really understand their gimmick and understand a little bit of their background. But to me, I haven't really noticed it quite as much. Uh, Jojo noticed it live in attendance that people were kind of uneasy or, or not uneasy, but not quite sure what to make of them, which, which is not necessarily saying that they suck or that they're awful or whatever. Just the crowd doesn't really know how to react to them quite yet. And I think that'll come in time and, and we'll see. I mean, these are just guys coming back now. They're just trying to reestablish them a little bit. They've obviously you know, given them the title. So they think they're a big deal. And, and, and the work has been great too. And I think that's, what's going to build a lot of this up is, is, is the work is going to be solid. And in time, they'll be able to kind of refine and develop that character a little bit too. I mean, we saw, I mean, look at Okada when he came, I mean, he looked like a geek and, and, and nothing. And, and within a few months, it was all refined. It was all good to go. It, it happens sometimes with wrestling. They'll you, still, they'll, they're still going to develop. That's for sure. Exactly. Man. Yeah. But they came out like, a million bucks in that debut they won the titles they made them seem important so the fans know they're important and they know that it's a big deal and then now it's time for them to sort of refine and, and develop the characters a little bit if, you, if it, you recall in that match they didn't work from underneath the first thing they did was do a double dive over the top right to say fucking, what's up we're here and then essentially they Take won notice. a nine right. minute match and they pinned Ricochet clean in the middle. And it was, uh, you know, and, 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 and show did that series of German suplexes, which was the most memorable spot in the match, a complete opposite of how Asuka was treated in her, uh, main roster debut. One thing, one thing I will say, and, and Jojo mentioned this as well in his review at voice wrestling.com, of course, um, is that show? I mean, Kamatsu was a guy that from the beginning I was like, "This is the guy. This is man. I, this is he's the best of the two. He's the best of the young lines right now. He's 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 the future star." And then as it was, you know, time for them to go to excursion or just a little bit before, show started catching up, and I was like, "Oh man, like Kamatsu had a head start, but but show's right there neck and neck." I think show is is far and away better than Kamatsu. Right well, that's now. what I just said. I said yeah. show show right now. Awesome. Right now, he looks like the breakout star. Yeah, and I and, would not have thought. I would have bet money. I would have bet my house on Kamatsu being the star. Well, see, I don't know. See, my, my thing was Kamatsu was a hair ahead of him with the ring between the bells. But I always thought Tanaka had the better look. But I thought T- Kamatsu was always slightly ahead with the ring work. You know, I, I always thought he was a little bit of, uh, further ahead. But like you're saying, since they've come back, I mean, Sho looks like a breakout single star. Like he has that sort of potential. And Kamatsu is not showing breakout single star potential. So yeah, yeah, and and to me, what this act is, this this is they they remind me a lot of like those Dove Pro wrestlers or like those uh, undercard DDT wrestlers that appeal to the females, except they're a major league version of those guys. You, you know what I mean when I say that? You know, sort of those undercard DDT guys or like these Dove Pro guys who. Um, they, they sort of have that a similar look to those guys. But to me, this is like a major league version of that. And I think it's New Japan kind of maybe biting into that market a little bit and, and trying to attract that type of fan with this act. I think that's kind of what they're gunning for here. Um, you, you look at Noah with uh, with uh, Yohei and um, oh, the other dude, the, the current Noah junior tag champs, the guys that came from Dove Pro actually. It's uh, Yohei, and I can't remember the other dude's name. I'm 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 just blanking on names left and right. Um, We've done a lot of podcasting this week, so yeah, I uh, I'm bl- I, I don't really remember. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to I have to I gotta, yeah, we gotta go look it up. Hold on, I gotta look. Is this gonna high bother 69, me? Is it? Um, no, 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 no. High sixty nine is Ishimori's tag team partner. That's right. Um, let me see. 
This is thrilling. Point, <laughs> point being, everyone likes the dead air. Everyone likes it. It gives them point. a time. Yeah, take your drink. Make your sandwich. You know how everybody likes making sandwiches in intermissions? Good time. Yeah, everyone Everyone tells me they love intermissions. You're all liars, by the way. Um, Yohei and Hayata. There it is. How long does it take to make a fucking sandwich either? Like, everybody is always like, well, I can finally make a meal. You can just leave during a boring match. You know what I mean? Like, that Togi Makabe tag, you can go make a sandwich and come back. Like, people are like, oh, thank God there's finally a time for me to make a sandwich. You can go wait for three. How long? Do, what are people making? What sandwiches are people making at like 2 a.m. during a New Japan live show? You know what I mean? Like, oh, thank God, I could finally eat. Like, just walk away for four minutes. It doesn't take four minutes. How, how big is your house? Where are you watching? That your kitchen is so far away that I, well, now I'm completely distanced from this entire show if I go make a sandwich. Like, fucking, what sandwiches are you making? Throw some lunch meat on a piece of bread. Four o'clock in the morning anyway. That's what I always bring that up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'll eat a bag of chips like, during a live New Japan show, but I'm not like, oh, thank God, I'll make, like, you know, this this great roast beef sandwich with, you know, uh, perfectly cut iceberg lettuce and this, you know, perfectly round cut, you know, tomato and a, the perfect blend of mustard. Like, no, who's making that type of sandwich? Like, if you're making, if, if you're making a sandwich, it's definitely like a peanut butter and jelly, right? At 4 a.m. Why, why can't? Why can't you make a sandwich while a match is going That's on? That's what I'm saying. Like, you can, Togemakbe is coming down to the ring. You know what? You have, I guarantee you, six minutes to go make a sandwich. Or you can't, you can't see your TV from where you're making the That's sandwich. Right. I don't know what the, these You can't these, bring your, your tablet or your laptop into the kitchen and make People have these sandwich. elaborate, gigantic mansions where, no, it's like my kitchen is all the way up there. If I take the elevator up to my kitchen, I can't possibly get down in time. And these people act like watching a wrestling show is this super exhausting thing where you need a break. Oh, I need that 15 minutes. This is exhausting. They got to make a sandwich. This is, this is mentally draining, this wrestling show. Yeah, I forgot who, but somebody said the sandwich, and I was just like, just make a sandwich during the Tokyo Akame match. There's many opportunities to make a sandwich. A, I don't know why you're making a sandwich. And B, how long is it? How long, Joe, the longest you've ever made a sandwich? Like, it's 4 a.m. You don't care 40, what sandwich. 45 you, seconds. 45 seconds. I mean, like... Especially at 4 a.m. I'm not making an elaborate meal at 4 a.m. Like, I'm either eating peanut butter and jelly, which that takes at most a minute to make, or I'm just grabbing a fucking bag of chips or something like that, or a granola bar or whatever. It's 4 a.m. You're not like, all right, let's see here. What meats? Okay, so let's, Rich, I got Rich, this capicola. Let me, let me get to grab this capicola. Hey, capicola is very good. No, I Listen. love capicola. I'm not, I'm not dispersing capicola at all. I don't care if they're making a seven-course meal. You could do it while you're watching. <laughs> I don't see why you need the intermission for this. And it's you know, like that's not even the, the sandwich people aren't the worst people. The worst people are the people who say, "Oh, I, yeah, the, I need I'm a break. Yeah. I need a break in the middle of the show I, to mentally clear my head." I mean, you're fucking watching wrestling. What you, <laughs> you're not doing the wrestling, okay? You're watching the wrestling. You don't this need a break. And I guarantee you, Rich, I guarantee you, when they watch a tape show, they skip the intermission. They're all a bunch of frauds. I guarantee you, every one of them skipped that intermission. <laughs> If they watch it the next day, none of them are sitting there going, oh, oh God, yeah. yeah, the intermission. Let me get up and stretch and clear yeah. my head and make a finally sandwich. Pee. Thank God I can finally pee. <laughs> yeah, it's just unbelievable. Okay. Uh, but anyway, to me, Rapongi 3K is like a major league version of like a Yohei and Hayato type of team. Um, I guess I'm the only one feeling that because no one ever seems to agree with me. But I think that's kind of the market that they're going to. I think they look that. like that. But the problem is I don't know that they they – they exude the major league quite yet. I feel like they kind of look and feel a little minor league to me. I think show. I think show without question exudes major league. I think that guy, like I said, he's pop. Uh, yo, yo, I would agree. Uh, yo, I would agree. Um, but but show, I would I would I would disagree. 
Uh, as far as Kawato goes, I mean, we have to talk about him because much like Kitamura, this match was built around Kawato. I mean, he did the great flip dive, which was a fantastic flip dive, by the way. I had no idea he had that in him. And once again, the Corrigan crowd is so behind this guy. And once again, I am going to concede defeat to Mike Sempervivi. And I am going to continue to give him credit. I did that show with him. I said Coato's uh, ceiling was going to be a popular prelim wrestler that people like to rally behind. I think this fucker can be a star too. I think Mike was right because he's like, you know what? Hold on, Joe. You never know. You never see how they develop. I've seen this happen before. And he's right. I, I This guy's ceiling, I don't know anymore. I mean, I, I can he be a heavyweight? I don't know. He's 20 years old. We have no idea how his body's going to fill out. That's the thing, Rich. He's 20 years old. And the crowd, this the crowd connection that this guy has at 20. Okay. Who is coming out of the this multi-million dollar performance center that had that that has a crowd connection instantly the way this guy does? And he's 20 years old. You know, it, it's just another indictment of the PC, in my opinion. Uh, that they spend all this money and they can't figure out how to make stars or get these people to connect with crowds. It's just that and it, it, this this intangible thing, this guy fucking has it. And he has it at such a young age. And 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 he knows how to play that underdog role. And my God, he's working the semi-main event of Cork and Hall. It was great. And he's over like a motherfucker already. He was already. the most over guy in this match, and it wasn't even close. And dude, when he hit that tope, man, which yeah. by the way, he he was so excited for that tope that he nearly fucking went to the, like the eighth row. Like that was yeah, an awesome, it's amazing. Like he had that at the last minute, like really dive bomb on that thing because he was so excited to do it, and it looked fucking incredible. It was like the best. It was like a fucking. It, it, it looked like a great Sasuke like tope. You know what I mean? Like it was like one of these old school like michinoku pro ones where it's like those guys have no regard like the old michinoku pro guys are just like i'm fucking diving outside the ring and i hope i land on somebody you know like one of those sort of things where they're halfway through the crowd by the time they're done with it that's what kawada was and the crowd fucking exploded for it because they it's one of these things where where you know you give them little nuggets you give them little nuggets where kawato you know will do this he'll fire up a little bit he'll do this after he gets beaten up he always loses it doesn't matter does a little bit and then this guy just does one move a to which is tope is still a, a very big move or whatever but for a guy who who you haven't shown everything quite yet that one big thing just made everybody just go nuts and again you built that up you've made that excitement it, it, it's it's so easy it's so simple and it's just it, it's remarkable how they do it and and yeah kawato was just a million bucks in this match fucking awesome yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we had the LIJ team, Bushi and Hiromu. We knew they were going to beat Dragon Lee and Teton. That was never in doubt. I got to be honest, this let me down a little. I didn't love this the way that people were talking. I was so hyped for this. And there were things about this match that I liked, but it never reached the heights. Maybe it was just um, a victim of my expectations and, and the way people were going nuts about it. Um, but I've seen better tag matches involving Hiromu and Dragon Lee than this one. I think me as the uh, baby face in peril early and then with um, some of his uh, flying moves towards the end of the match he of course took the fall they weren't going to beat Dragon Lee here and the LIG, the LIG team was going to win but I thought this was a really good match but I was expecting more I don't know it didn't it didn't um, it didn't it didn't pop with me I didn't think it was a great match I just thought it was a, but, but it was a really good match it was a good no, match I, I liked it a lot too but I think one of the big issues is that I think it may have been a little too long like you know it was about 20 minutes or so a little bit over and I think at a point it was just kind of like I, I feel like if, if they did a lot of what they did in 14 minutes it would have felt more chaotic more fun more like high flying or whatever but it was like there were those moments there was those big moments and those big streaks or whatever but then they failed to really figure out how to kind of get from point A to point B or, or, or B to C or whatever those, those points in between 
between were kind of rough or, or or not great. And I think that would have really helped. If it was a shorter match, a little bit, I get it's the main event. So I, I understand why you have to do it. I really enjoyed it, but I think that they those guys on paper, I think, are capable of way more. But I still I still thought it was a very, very good match and a great way to cap off a pretty fun show. But yeah, I think those four, you know, if given maybe a different scenario, could could definitely top what they did uh, on this night for sure. It was almost two different matches. The first half was like a southern tag with Teton as the face in peril. And then they work and work, and, and the LIJ team is cutting off the ring, and then he makes the hot tag to Dragon Lee, but then that didn't really go anywhere. And then it kind of turned into what well, the kind of match we thought it was going to be, you know, a wild match with crazy spots and and these four guys doing what we thought. They, so it was almost like it was two separate 10-minute matches. So it kind of speaks to the same point you're making. I'm. Uh, it sounds like I'm trashing it. I thought it was a really good match. It just – I thought it was – I was expecting a great match. Uh, so we're going to have Rapongi 3K against Bushi and Hiromu in the next round. Like I said, uh, Rapongi 3K came out after the match, and uh, Rocky cut a promo on them, a very good promo on them, to set up the next main event for Korkin. And that's really a coin flip match. Either team could win that. They could have Bushi and Hiromu win, and then obviously they would have to go on and win the tournament, uh, I think, at that point. Any team that beats Rapongi 3K has to win the tournament. I mean, in, in my opinion, I don't think Rapongi 3K... Well, well, I mean, I guess it's possible they could win the tournament because they're such a new team and they want to establish them. It's just not traditionally what they do in a spot like this. Because then, who challenges them at Power Struggle at that point? Right. Then you, you basically, yeah, you, you, it's not that you've destroyed the, you know, like any future challengers or whatever, but it, it just builds it up. And then if you have them lose in this match, whether you know whoever they lose to, you have a, a built-in story a with that team that wins, you know, the finals will then get the title shot or whatever. But you can also build it up too, where maybe if that team isn't, which which of course that team that does beat Rapongi P3K is probably going to win them but if you don't want to do that if you want to maybe have somebody else win you build up two future title shots there so there's there's yeah. many different scenarios where if you have Rapongi 3k win you just kind of throw a team in there for no reason you know what i mean it's just it, then you just happen to have a tag match or whatever whereas this you know it makes so much sense to just have a different team win and and, and they move on and, and then they you know get that title shot so yeah it just makes more sense to do that i think when the dust settles Rapongi 3k is coming out of this with the titles going into wrestle kingdom and i think they're facing the young bucks what do you think of that? Yeah, I like it. I mean, the Young Bucks have kind of been out of that picture for what seems like a while. I mean, like they shouldn't really be. They've they've kind of always been there, but yeah, they feel like they're kind of out of it. So I, I like that a little bit. But uh, my one worry is that it being Wrestle Kingdom and it being that division that they're going to have a multi-team. The problem, see, the thing with that is they don't have multiple teams anymore because Hiromu, you would think, is going to be in the junior title mix. Same thing with Kushida. We fear they're going to do a three-way with well, Yeah, but you got ACH and Taguchi. Right, that's the only one. Right, and maybe one of the Suzuki Gun teams. I was just saying, Desperado and Kanemaru kind of but, stick out to but, me as, but, as a team too. But the thing about it is, they haven't been afraid to stick Taguchi in the Rambo or in a prelim multi man. Sure. And Taguchi isn't isn't the kind of guy who's gonna you know like demand a, a bigger spot on a card. I just feel like in past years where you knew they had all of these teams and it was just too easy to throw them all together, you kind of have to force that to get a three or four way this year because they don't have as many teams anymore. Um, you know, uh, Red Dragon is gone and Rapongi Vice broke up and, you know, um, uh, like time splitters aren't a thing anymore. All those teams that were kind of crammed into those matches aren't really around anymore. So you'd really have to force it to do another three or four way at this point. And if they're giving us a three way singles match, which I'm, I definitely fear that they're doing, I really don't want two three way match. That would be just such a letdown for me. You know, I'd rather just do Rapongi 3K. Versus the Young Bucks. The Bucks have been gone for a while. You know, uh, Rapongi 3K will have gone through everybody else. So the story is set up. You give them a fresh opponent. Away you go. To me, that's what I would do. Plus, it's the Young Bucks. 
um, you know, they're aligned with Omega. They're going to be on, on the Wrestle Kingdom show anyway. So why not just throw them in that match? And I think that's an interesting match. I mean, we've seen it in Ring of Honor, but obviously that was the Tempura boys. You know what I mean? That's not Rapongi 3K. Yeah. It's a different company. It's a different gimmick. It might as well have been a different lifetime. So I don't know. That would be the match I would do, and it seems to make sense on paper. Um, but that is assuming that they get through whoever they face at Power Struggle. Could be Bushi and Hiromu, or it could be one of these four teams. Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask will face El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. I would expect the Suzuki Gun team to win that one, and I would expect ACH and Taguchi to beat Taichi and Taka Mishinoku. Yeah, I agree. And then from there, I think, uh, I mean, really, it's, it's again, I, you know, a coin flip match. You know, the Suzuki Gun Jr. teams get more respect than people like to admit in situations like this. Shit, one of them had a brief title run earlier this year. So uh, I think the two semifinal matches will be coin flip matches. And then, uh, you know, we'll see what we get for a final. But um, could, you, could you see Rapongi 3K going to the finals and then losing? But then you have to do the same match twice in a row because yeah, then, they don't really have an aversion to doing that. So no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. so, but I would rather see them lose the next match, even if that makes. You see, that doesn't necessarily make the final predictable because, like you said, they could set up two challengers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I would, which is fine with me. I wouldn't do that. But the way, if I was kind of betting, I would say that Rapongi beats Bushi and, and, and Hiromu and then loses to whoever's in the final. Whether yeah, you it's could Desperado do a and, and Kanemaru or whatever, and then yeah. you. Then you can then parlay that over to power struggle. Then you get or well, the final is going to be a power struggle. So you you you've you've established a big match with your your, your champs at power struggle, and then you can do it on the next you know whatever. That's a good point. You know what? That's a good point. The finals at power struggle, right? Yeah, correct. It's not in Cork and Hall on that other right. So you really you, you don't have to, you can't have you can't set up two finals. You can only set up one final because you're out of shows because they just have the World Tag League final before Wrestle Kingdom. You know what I mean? So it, it's actually more logical just to set up one final. Um, I don't know. I it, 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 Actually, that doesn't matter either. I suppose they could do whatever they want. I mean, but but to me, all roads should probably lead to Rapongi 3K against Young Bucks. But, you know, this tournament has a little more intrigue than usual. Um, you know, with the new champions and, and sort of a, a more unpredictable layout in terms of who's going to win the thing. So it just feels fresh too. It's not kind of the same old teams. I mean, there are some some holdovers or whatever, but but Bushi and Hiromu feel a little right. bit different. You obviously have Rapongi 3K. You had Kawato and Kushida was it was a different team. You had Dragon Lee and, and Titan kind of coming in. Um, and then yeah, the other ones. I mean, obviously you have your Liger and Tiger masks or whatever, but I don't expect them to go very far. And then you, know, you have ACH and, and, and Taguchi who are a new team. And even even the Suzuki Gun ones like the Taguchi and Taka. Well, the Suzuki one, you know, they did. Sure, yeah, they, they put the old partners back together. Right, exactly. So that, that kind of rejiggered everything a little bit too. So yeah, there, there's a lot of fun stuff in this tournament. Because I hated the old alignment. I did not like Taichi teaming with Kanemaru and Destiny. No, it was the worst of both. Yeah, it was the, it was the way to get the least out of both teams somehow. They found a way. So Yeah, they put the natural partners back together in both cases. Taichi and Taka belong together. And to me, Despi and Kanemaru are the better working team of the two. Um, so, you know, I, I like those guys back uh, together as well. So yeah, there was a little bit of rushes to it how much time do we have left mr creature ah uh, well yeah, yeah, we got about uh let's say about 30 minutes all right so we're gonna I transition first, i don't know how long we took we chit-chatted for the beginning but let's let's say another 30 minutes so all right well we got a couple more topics to go what do you want to do hall of fame or all japan uh, i feel bad skipping hall of fame again. let's let's do all japan really quickly and then we'll we'll, we'll finish out with hall of fame because i think we have to talk so, about uh, all japan but we yeah do. Don't, we don't have to go exhaustively about it because you know one of the shows we haven't seen no, yet, we don't. So, yeah so that's right. So on October 9th, Suwama uh, defeats 
Kento Miyahara for the Triple Crown title. And I believe that was Miyahara's first defense after winning it back from Spain. Correct, yes. Yeah. So he, he had won it back, and then, yeah, then he, he lost it again on his first defense. Great match. I think we both loved it. But quickly, let me set up what happened here. Suwama had won the Royal Road tournament to earn the title shot. Along the way, Suwama defeated Joe Doring, who that is the rivalry that they've been building up for months now, the Suwama-Joe Doring thing. Um, he defeats Doring in the Royal Road to earn the title shot against Miyahara. Suwama then wins the Triple Crown from Miyahara, which I think was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. It was a surprise for me. On the same show, Joe Doring defeats Suji Ishikawa, the former champion, in sort of a eliminator match for the uh, to determine the new number one contender for whoever won the triple crown match later in the show to set up Suwama versus Joe Doring this time for the triple crown. And that match took place on October 21st, has not aired yet, and they did another title change, and Joe Doring is your new triple crown champion. Okay, title changes here and a lot to unpack. I don't have any problem with any of this. I think that Miyahara already had his long, his long title reign that established him as the ace of the company. So I have no problem with him dropping it quickly upon winning it back from Ishikawa. I like Ishikawa in the mix as the guy who's sort of getting everybody else over. I have no problem with that. And I kind of like transitioning the top of the card to this Suwama Joe Doring feud, which is the kind of the hottest thing in the company right now. And I have no problem with those two guys battling over the Triple Crown for a while while Miyahara does something else. So I don't know where you stand, but this all feels fresh to me. And oh, by the way, Joe Doring's first challenger for the Triple Crown, which is obviously going to be a Here's place- the moment. You've been waiting. You've been waiting with bated breath. Here you go. This is going to be a placeholder defense before he faces – uh, oh, you know, What do you mean placeholder? What are you talking about right? placeholder? This is a star. This Rich is, is going to make a case for this man. This is an international superstar, Joe. Are you kidding? Yoshitatsu oh. appears to be the first challenger. Oh, I thought it was someone else. Never mind. For Joe Doring's Triple Crown title. So now we've got Yoshitatsu in the mix, which is interesting. Okay. Now keep in mind, this is not part of the New Japan sort of loose working agreement. Yoshitatsu is a freelance wrestler. He, he was released from New Japan. He is not a New Japan wrestler. He parted ways with New Japan earlier in the year. That's kind of why he disappeared right around the time they stopped using um, Bone Soldier. Bone Soldier, from what I understand, has an office position. He's working in the dojo. I don't know how accurate that is. I didn't hear that from anyone in the company. That was just kind of – I forget where I heard that. But supposedly he's still with the company. Yoshitatsu is a freelancer. All Japan has been using him for the last month, month and a half. He actually won a match in the Royal Road Tournament, which annoyed a lot of All Japan fans. He beat, um, I think it was Tajiri in the first round. It was definitely a junior. I don't know which junior it was. I think it was Tajiri. And he advanced to the second round where he then got knocked off by Kento Miyahara. But the point is, they're kind of pushing Yoshitatsu. They're not giving him like a star push, but they're giving him enough of a push where they feel he's a credible enough challenger for the Triple Crown title. Rich, there's a lot to unpack here. Number one, how do you feel about this overall booking of the Triple Crown and shifting the focus from Miyuhara to Joe Doring and Suwama? And do you feel that using Miyahara to kind of transition to that was kind of the wrong way to go? And then how do you feel about Yoshitatsu getting in the title mix? <laughs> I'll start with the Kento Miyahara thing. That doesn't bother me at all because I think you, as you said, I never, I wanted him to have the longest reign possible when he did. And I think he did that and he established that. And in a lot of ways, he established the company, reestablished them, and they're, and they're back on solid footing again after some really rough years there. And that's exactly what you wanted out of Miyahara. You wanted to establish him as the guy. And I think people, despite even if he doesn't have the title, 
People aren't going to forget that he had the title for as long as he did. People aren't going to forget that he was the ace for as long as he was. So I'm fine with that. I actually, I, I, I'm fine with him being the transition guy here. And then I'm also fine with Suwama being the kind of the second transition guy, which which sort of works now because you have a lot of players now that can kind of vie for the title. A lot of players that can, you, you know, stake claim to the title a little bit. You have Suwama who, you know, sets the record for, I think, the most triple crown wins. I think he had six now with, with, with that title. So he's got the most reigns ever. So you know, then he loses it right away to Doring, but we know that those guys, that's not over, that they're going to have another match or whatever. It plays into it kind of cool as well. I like that. And what's cool too is that this doesn't mean the end for Miyahara as well, because I thought the match, and, and I know you're going to get into this a little bit too, the Miyahara Suwama match was awesome because Miyahara was kind of favoring his knee the entire time, and Suwama just went for the kill. He just went in on him. And, and that's always going to be a pretty fun story too to see when Miyahara can say, okay, well, now I'm healthy and now I want another shot or whatever. You still have that down the line. You have Suji Ishikawa, who's always kind of there at the back end or whatever, but now you've transitioned it to Joe Doring being the new champion. He's got a fun story, a cool story they can tell or whatever, but now he's got a number of challengers already. You got Kento Miyahara, who, hey, you know, I just lost that title, but, you know, I, I I can get my new shot. I have Suwama, who, you know, obviously he'll feud with Doring in a little bit, and then you have the placeholder of Yoshitatsu. <sighs> Yoshitatsu doesn't do anything for me. Um, we'll see. I, the matchup doesn't really. I don't know Joe Doring, <coughs> Yoshitatsu. Let me ask you this: Do you have yeah. do you have at least morbid curiosity? Yes. In a Yoshitatsu Triple Crown Challenge, where can Joe Doring get a great match out of this? Yes, game? I do. That's a yeah. challenge. And if and and you know what? Well, I'll I'll wait and see if Yoshihatsu fucking busts it. What did I just say? Did I say Yoshihatsu? If Yoshitatsu goes out there and busts his ass and, and has a great match or whatever, that could be all he need. I mean, he's a guy who struggled with his confidence for for many years or whatever. This could be a thing that maybe reignites him. And and, and yeah, Yoshitatsu is not going to be a guy that's going to go out there and have consistent, you know, four star matches and four and a half star matches every single night. But but just having him feel good about himself, just having some confidence could be a big deal. And maybe he goes out there and kills it with Joe Doring. Who the hell knows? It's worth a try. It's worth a, uh, uh, you know, a shot or it's worth you know trying out for for a month or whatever. But we know that when that's all said and done and, and, and when he dispatches Yoshitatsu, that he's got a bunch of challengers waiting in, in the wings. And I, I think they got a real cool thing going on here. They've established Miyahara was the man for a long time and, and they established that he was kind of head and shoulders about everybody else. And now you have him still where he was, but now you have some other guys holding the title too and a bunch of other fun ways that you can go with it and a lot of fun challengers that you can do too. And, and I thought Swamo looked great in this match too. So hopefully he's finally healthy again and then maybe now you have him ready ready to go for, for a little while too because I was kind of worried. I was I was... I was I was feeling kind of iffy about Swam for a while there, especially coming back, and and that's a huge injury coming back from his Achilles injury, and he came back in half the time that people said or whatever, and it showed for a while. But this match, he was a, he was a fucking ball of fire, a ball of energy during this match. So I hope this is now what we see from Swam moving forward. And if so, they they got they're in good hands, and and I think it's fun. It it it, it breaks up for so long. You had a guy, and now you have a bunch of guys, and I think that's a, that's a cool story to tell. It all feels fresh. Just like the New Japan Junior Tag thing, this all feels fresh. Even though it's some of the same names, it's the new mix. The Suwama Doring feud is just getting started. They've each knocked each other off once recently. One guy knocks one out of the railroad. The other wins the other guy's triple crown title. You get Yoshitatsu in there, the morbid curiosity of how that's all going to play out and see if Doring can Look, Doring is going to you know knock his head off and beat him. We all know that. But I want to see how the match plays out and if he can get a good match out of him. And then you got Miyahara waiting in the wings. I'm into this. This whole scenario, all of these guys, and to see how the dust settles. The Miyahara Suwama uh, title change in Cork and Hall on the ninth, I recommend that everybody watch it immediately. Great match. Highest recommendation. Rich talked about it a little bit. He went right after Miyahara's knee early. That was the story of the match. Uh, Miyahara, of course, 
uh, show some fighting spirit at the end, literally. But then, uh, you know, Suama takes him out. And this is one of the best Suama. This is probably the best Suama performance in the last two or three years. And, and you know, we've got two really good stories here, too. Suama coming back from the Achilles injury. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.